This episode of Inside Running is proudly sponsored by Sydney Marathon. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon major. Learn more at sydneymarathon.com. Welcome to episode number 277 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. We're fresh off the World Cross Country Championships, which were held in Bathurst over the weekend. There's so much to talk about around that race. Uh, We've got the Pete Bowl news to discuss this episode as well. Moose is rolling into marathon week, race week, which I think is the first time he's been able to say that since maybe 2019. And um, yeah, all the other segments coming at you that we bring you each and every other week. Welcome to my co-host, one of the most organised men in the world, Bradley Croker. Welcome to you this week. How are you going? Thanks, Brady. Uh, I'm tired, but uh, come home from the weekend feeling inspired. Brilliant weekend, wasn't it, Brad? Good to see you in person. Rarely see you in person. Talk to you every week. Pretty much talk mm. to you every day. But actually seeing your face was a was a highlight of my weekend. Yeah, I had a, I had a fun weekend. It was good catching up with you boys. My bit other, of running involved. Bit of running as well. Talk about our weeks as well. Uh, my other co-host, they call him Super Coach, the two fourteen man from Anglesey, Australia, Julian Spence. Welcome to you. Thank you. No one calls me that. I call you that. I called you that a couple of times on the beers Saturday night. I reckon. Oh yeah, maybe I call myself that on the beers. <laughs> Thank <but> you. I can't. <laughs> uh, no, it, was, it wasn't it a fun weekend. I was I was surprised with how much fun I had, and. Um, how much I enjoyed staying with you guys. It was quite quite enjoyable. It was team building, and we've come a long way as a trio, I think. Like, we didn't really know each other well when we started this podcast, but over the years, and as I said, it's rare we catch up in person. I think it's less awkward every time we do. Mm. Yeah, I reckon Croaks has sort of mellowed out a bit in his old age too. Yeah, no one tried to fight anyone, which was good. No, it was good that he brought Viv. I reckon Viv being there mm. calmed him down a bit. Balanced things out, didn't it? Yeah. That was, that was pretty smart by him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't spend we didn't spend much one on one time. He's like, we haven't really spent much time together, have we? <laughs> Even at World Cross, I hardly saw her all afternoon. Yeah. Well, no, because um, because you were staying in a house with four other guys. That's <laughs> it's hard to have one on one time when it's like that. Yeah. No, nah, it was a good weekend. It was a busy. Looking forward schedule. to recapping it. 
Yeah, well, let's start with... Um, what, do we still want to do... Yeah, we'll go with weekly recaps. Keep things normal. I was going to jump straight into the World Cross Country stuff, but let's go weekly recaps first. Moose, you're a week out from the Saka Marathon. I'm interested how your mind goes because you wouldn't have been even thinking about the fact that you were running a marathon within a week over the weekend. So uh, tell us about training week and tell us where your head's at. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still not really thinking about it, to be honest. It's more about logistics for this trip rather than actually running a marathon and catching up on all the work I missed over the last few days and um, just coming down from a big high really so it's uh, Monday I had off because on Sunday evening last week I had a little Achilles um, complaint I woke up Monday it was fine could have run decided not to no real benefit there and um i didn't feel like I, I needed to like it was nice to have a day off and then on um tuesday i ran just 45 minutes i didn't go to the the, the group workout i just ran from home and then wednesday i decided to do a little workout uh pretty kind of simple one six reps of 1k did it off 60 seconds standing it was progressive in nature i did it on a gravel road with a couple of hills in it uh used the new Socony endorphin elite which which releases tomorrow so that was fun to try that out um the the, the reps got faster as i went but just just because i i, I couldn't get moving early um so the first rep was 312 and then it was pretty much down a hill the next so that was up a hill at the very end it doesn't look like it on the elevation it looks terrible but it was a little kicker at the end then 306 304 uh, by that stage i'd worked out the shoes were slipping heaps on the gravel and i was having to to change how i was running instead of being able to push off using my calf i, I was kind of having to lift with my hamstring more so i i got onto the asphalt and uh there's a bit of a lump in this rep it was 304 came back over the hill 259 and then 256 to finish and that was six by a k done a little differently to to normal but it, it felt comfortable and i didn't I'm, i forced myself to stay relaxed i didn't want to be pushing for times or anything i wanted to feel pretty smooth and i wanted to keep in consistent sort of rhythm with the workouts i've been doing over the past 12 weeks so I wasn't going to get two weeks out from marathon and change everything. Um, so this was like probably something you'd you'd find in a, a regular Australian style training block, I reckon. About ten days out from a marathon. Then did a jog the next day up in. Um, oh, actually, we left that night. Um, we left Kieran and I left Geelong, headed up to Albury, driving on the way up to Bathurst for the cross country. So we stayed in. Aubrey overnight and drove down to this little parkland to meet up with a mate, Ash Hoffman, friend of the show. And we ran around this, like, he took us on this um, river loop, which was all dirt, out and back on that. It was actually really good, good little loop. Pretty, like, I'm not sure how far out it goes, but it's real flat, really nice gravel. He said the path is pretty new. Saw, um, saw Stewie. Brett Robinson, a uh, couple of other runners floating around too, out for a jog. They must have obviously stayed in Aubrey that night and, like us, were heading up. I think there was a bus, actually. They were going up in a bus, so 
the whole team was on the um, on the bus staying there. It's a long drive on a bus. Give me give me hey, hours for awful. you. What was it? Nine hours? Ten hours? Well, nine and a half, t- sort of driving, but we stopped a bit, so it ends up being like ten and a half to eleven after you stop a few times. Eight and a half from Melbourne. I just googled. So on a bus, you'd go at least nine and a half with stops. Yeah, and it was pretty pretty slow going. I don't get it either. I mean, if you get up there early, like just to take the risk of missing flights and lost all that shit, then you could go fly up sort of Thursday or Wednesday, and then bus out. You'd think that'd be much more enjoyable. Yeah, two or three hours from the airport, wasn't it? I think it was three hours from Sydney. Yeah, because Ellie, um, Ellie. Um, flew up and like AA sorted that out for her, didn't they? I'm not sure about if it got sorted out or not. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. I, I don't know if they had the option or not of flying up, but I would have taken the flying option. But it was a full yeah. bus, though, isn't it? So you wouldn't imagine it's a full bus if they had the flying option. Because I know Andy was on the bus. You said um, Stewie and Brett and Jack was on there too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. Uh, was Jack on there? Yeah, I think so. They're some um, of the bigger names. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw them all pile off there, and there was a lot of staff on the bus as well, by the looks of it. School camp style. Yeah, big, big trip. We saw we, we also saw them, like, the next morning, driving up through Young. There's a, apparently there's a town called Young out there. Yeah, we went through it on the way home. Stopped at yeah. the subway. Cherry, oh, yeah. cap, cherry capital of the country. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Big, big for the cherries, young. They had a street called like Cherry Street or something, and I saw that because we stayed in Cherry Lane in Bathurst, and I thought that's weird. Mm. Two Cherry Streets lanes, yeah. Moose, was that where you spent fifteen minutes talking to Stewie in the toilets while all the locals were coming in, in and <laughs> yeah. out, going, oh, "What are these two blokes doing?" I love this story. <laughs> three actually, and so three blokes in there. We we needed a piss after lunch, so we walked up to the like information center area, and there was a bus that was pulled up and Kieran looks over and goes, oh, school kids are coming up maybe. And I'm like, oh, yellow uniforms. <laughs> maybe they're a little bit older than school kids. I'm like, I think that's the Australian team. Uh, and it was. Uh, but we, they kind of just walked into town and we walked up to the toilet. And then we went in a dingy old toilet at the, the old train station. It was like brick with like concrete urinals. And the tall guy standing at the year i'm like oh shit who's who's this tall guy at first i thought it was matt ramson and then it turned around like shit stewie mcsween in the bathroom there you go and then we like he literally just talked to us for 15 minutes in the in the urinal it was really funny like because there was people coming in there all the time getting a shock to see three men in there and obviously it's a real dingy bathroom out of the way of everything so you could imagine their first thought as they walked in uh, but yeah, just I mean, everyone knows. I think the repu- his reputation precedes him. He's a very, very good guy and has a lot of time for everybody. Even if you're in a urinal in Young, he will have the time for you. Uh, but it was good chat. He was telling us about, um, like, what was he telling us about? Yeah, I can't remember. Maybe a bit starstruck. Uh, so yeah, we got up that evening. Saw you guys. Kieran went out for a jog, scoped out a workout spot for the next day that I did with Brad. So this was Croaks' workout, a bit of Ingebrigtsen style, five by six minutes at Thresh with standing rest of one minute. It was a beautiful morning. 
like cold, crisp. Uh, let me just click on it to find out what the um, temperature it said. But it was the it was one of those mornings where the sun's coming up, and there's if there was a lake or a dam there, it would be like it would be so like idyllic because there was no wind. Um, it was clear as no clouds. There's a photo I put up. You can see it, like that air. Just felt like you're running in the middle of the country. Anyway, five by six minutes. Croaks was good. Looked after him on most of them. Slowed him. You should have seen Brady. This this rep. I think it was the third rep. The third rep. Croaks takes off, and I'm thinking we're moving pretty good here. This is pretty fast. A bit faster than the last couple. And then I could see Croaks look at his watch. And then all of a sudden we went from running three tens to running four tens in three steps. <laughs> I nearly, the anchors out. <laughs> I nearly tripped over my feet. He, we, he turned the um, turned the burners off that quick. Uh, it was, it's funny to see someone though, someone so experienced. Brad Croker has been running for thirty years, and he can still like he still will make a, an error like that. And it, was, it was smart because I just wanted to make sure that I was going to get through the session because I was running faster than I thought we would initially. So, Yeah, but, but the two things that I thought is not realising how fast the pace was in the first 30 seconds and then the other thing was the change of pace where you've just absolutely like just turned the, turned the burners off and, um, and you slowed so much to like almost like a jog you could yeah anyway it was it was good it, i know because i do that often too it's good to see other people do it when you did the workout did someone take a rep and the other one sat behind or next to each other no next to each other next to each other okay. we okay. i was i was basing it off if croaks was feeling good and he pushed up a hill i'd, I'd go next to him but there was a few times where i, I like felt it was too fast and at one point i, I told him i'm like we're too quick here because i'm I knew what he wanted, and, and I didn't really want to run six minutes at 3.5 pace either, which we were heading for, unless we slowed down. He's a smooth so, yeah. mover, though, isn't he? He covers the ground well when he's going Yeah, yeah I know. You, you always got the feeling good. he's comfortable. Mm. And, and I reckon he'd be a kind of guy that if he was on the start line, you'd just worry about him no matter what the distance and no matter what his fitness. Yeah, he's all legs. Like his legs come up to like his nipples. Yeah, that backlift is pretty good, isn't it? I'm just watching this small video that that he put up on his on his Strava. Too kind, Moose. Too kind. He did um he did pull away uh, maybe halfway through the last rep. He started to surge, and I was actually thinking of you, Brady, where those times when Archie probably does a similar thing, and I'm like, all right, I'm I've had a good session. I'm working pretty hard. I know if I go with it, I'll be you know working too hard for what I need to do. Um, but then luckily he uh. We we're just about to go around the corner, I think, and he started to slow down a bit. And um, I caught up to him, and then just as I caught up to him, we saw Zaka, and that's when Zaka took the video. So I was quite happy <laughs> that, that it's he funny slowed though, down. Your heart rate data is a lot better than his. Not the strap. Yeah, I wasn't. Wrist. I wasn't wearing a strap. So wrist is pretty accurate, I reckon. Is that right, mate? <laughs> wrist is accurate. Just trying to get into your moose. You're fit. Uh, I'm not that fit, but I'm. I'm I'm fit enough to do that workout. That's not a problem. Um, next day was long run day. So you guys had organised big long run down at the back at Bathurst Park Run. So I met my mate Pistol up higher on the hill, closer towards the uni and the 
Mount Panorama circuit and we jogged down and met you and then jumped in with the group, which was, what do you reckon, 100? Oh, not quite 100, I reckon. Like 60, 70 initially maybe? 75 to 90, I reckon, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's a lot. And there was a lot that were just sort of jogging around who joined the group too. Yeah, because they saw a big pack. park run, I reckon. Yeah, so you guys um, took us around on a little park run loop and then we headed out of town for a bit, which it was going too quick. It was going too quick for what I wanted. Pistol definitely didn't want it. Um, so we we didn't want it. We were going to finish up on the circuit too because I wanted to have a run on the course and also had an athlete running in the relays. So we turned around, and as we turned around, Jess Stenson also was in the group, which I didn't realize. Well, she um, she jogged back with us. So that was pretty fun to uh, to run with Jess on the way home. Was she complained then, about the pace as well? No, she was pushing the pace on the way home along the flat, that's for sure. So she is a real half-stepper, and I learned that last time in Anglesey when she ran on that long run. She likes to get on the front and just start, like, just edging it forward, edging it forward. But what happened was that we ran past Parkrun. So Parkrun, the gun had gone off, and we were on the Parkrun course, and the whole Parkrun went past us. And you can imagine rolling Parkrun, 1K in, and you've got Jess Denson coming towards you, the Com Games gold medalist. And so she was like, she was getting all the love. It was funny. It was funny to watch. <laughs> uh, but there was like 550, I think, at Parkrun, Bathurst. Mm, Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Something like that. So there was a lot of people that came past. But anyway, we ran up to the circuit. Got a, uh, I pretty much got a lap of the course in, so that was cool to, to run up those climbs and actually feel the um, feel what the ground was like and the camber and, and how pinchy it was and what the corners were like. So they let you on there? On the pretty grass. much. Yeah, yeah okay. pretty much. Cool. Yeah. Just wasn't allowed through the sand pit, basically. Okay. Um, yeah, and even the mud pit, I kind of skipped. I just ran along, like I didn't run through the mud. Yeah, it was. I really liked it. Ran through the vineyard, sort of got a feel for like why anyone might take the second or third, like uh, what do you call it, row? Um, no one would, I guess. And then yeah, the the following day I did not run, so we would drive home for left at seven twenty or something. Got in at five fifteen. Big day in the car. Big day from a couple of tired boys, slightly hungover. Not the greatest conversation. And we also, our Bluetooth in the car was fucked. So we had to play music through our phones. Did you not <laughs> listen to the radio? There's no radio in the, in the outback. Yeah, you could just, we were just scanning different zones. Do you have a digital yeah. radio? Just What's hit, that mean? Just hit the scan button and then it just picks up different stations and gives you like a list of it. Oh, no, nah, I don't have that. No oh, way. Yeah, do I tune it yourself? Well, you, you can hit scan. I don't think it's digital, though, is it? I just hit scan on mine. It just like comes up with like you know ten different options for that area of uh, area of Australia. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Got the good good shout out for the Kia. I did notice the um, Instagram. Like, what was that? Your Instagram on the side of the Kia. My like, Instagram. Yeah. No, the Kia. Don't think so. There's a there was an Instagram symbol. I assumed it was your um your uh what do you call it. Signature, is and you just had. Did, is that when we did the Instagram live in your car croaks? Is that what you're talking about? Nah, like on the back of the car that you're driving. 
there's like follow me at Instagram something. Oh yeah, so it was like follow a Chuki Key or something. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't read it. I assumed it was follow Brady Trailfoot. No. <laughs> no. Available for public speaking gigs. Bradytrailfoot.com.au. It's still up there. I actually had a look at it the other day. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> Take all my corporate bookings through there. Anyway, you had any lately? Yeah, a few. It's always just schools graduations. I'm big at December time. Graduation really? ceremonies. I wasn't even oh, trying to plug shit. anything here, and here we go, Moose. This is good, and you've done this well. Mm. Tell me yeah. about you, though. I want to hear your thoughts going into a soccer this week. So good training week. You're not going to get any fitter between now and then. Bit a bit more travel. A lot of travel in the space of like seven or eight days. A you lot look- of travel and a lot of missed work. Uh, mm. A lot of time away from the store. A lot of time away from just being in front of a computer with email. Like you drive those days mm. and all of a sudden you're, you're missing a lot of emails to catch up on we've got a good crew in the store so i don't really mind too much um but there's just there is stuff that creeps up and then all of a sudden you, you get home you hang out with your kids your your wife or like that's not work getting done and, and so there's a bit of anxiety around leaving off to japan shortly uh so it's taken my mind off the race and and, and ali's run and the weekend in general took my mind off the race did inspire me i felt like there are a few people that did things that they weren't expected to and that's inspiring to like i was thinking afterwards maybe i can do something that i'm not supposed to do this weekend maybe like maybe there's a bit of uh ceiling raised after watching that those races yeah well when you think about your fitness let's say like lake bwa 214 fitness what percentage of that do you think you're at well, what's half of that? Tell me what half of that is, and then you've so got to give you're, me. You're half as fit as that, yeah? Okay. No, so no, no, no. If 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 half as fit is two thirty, yeah. what what does it equate to in a time? Yeah, that's that's yeah. where it's hard. Because I don't, I can't, I can't say ninety percent. I know what that means. So if you told me that fifty percent was two thirty, if that, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm Let's gonna say fifty percent is two twenty five or two twenty four. Let's go for a ten minute chunk. Well, I'm about, I think I'm about 60% then. Okay. There's a difference though. There's a difference because I've been training to do these types of workouts and that's what I've been focusing on. There's a, there's a real difference to how the body will behave 40K in. It's, it's two and a half hours of hard running and that's what I haven't done for a long time. And that's what we spoke about on yeah. the weekend, Moose. It'll be an interesting experiment to see how lower mileage not the real long marathon sessions how you go sort of after an hour 45 at low 320s yeah i know but it's, it, it, yeah it's gonna be so interesting because like but you, the positive oh, sorry brad you go i was just gonna say you could run 218 or 224 like i think there's a huge window there that's that's a big window that's not but yeah 214 is like it's still like four minutes off your best so if you kind of like you fit enough you're yeah, good at the I, marathon you're very good at the, you know how to do them right what I won't have is the, the pace required to kick down like I have in the past. I'm not going to have that in my legs. It's, mm. it's, it's how well I can hold on. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I'm think, not going to... I think what should give you confidence, though, Moose, is if you think, like, you know, you've run 2.14, like six minutes slower than that is like a lot over a marathon. So, yeah. you know, that, that puts you in the 2.20 range. Yeah. Uh, um, um, I've, yeah. I'm as fit as I've, I'm definitely as fit as other times I've run 225. That's for sure. And and I ran those on a hilly course at Great Ocean Road. What times are you gonna run, Croaks? Chuck a time at it. We will do a comp on our social media. 
with uh, a pair of shoes from the running company Geelong. What? Well, do you know <laughs> what are your plans, Moose, in terms of how hard are you going to go out? Have you got? Have you thought about that? No, because I think I, if he goes, I, you know, if he goes slower than seventy-two, it's going to be hard to like, you know, run sixty-nine for the second half sort of thing and run you know, 221, whereas if you're a bit more aggressive through half, then I could see you maybe running uh, like 221-ish, probably, 222. Mm. This is a good chat. This is a good segue chat to later on. Is it gamble, risk versus, mm. re- risk versus reward here. And it, it's, it's exactly the same conversation, but just a different event and a different level. Look, if I was you, if I was you, I'd still go through half on the conservative side, knowing that you haven't done the miles, because um, you want to obviously get through half feeling as comfortable as possible. So, you know, seven, seventy-two, and then if you had an absolute blinder, kick home in seventy and run two twenty-two. Yeah, and it, the whole this was always going to be a stepping stone marathon. I'm not out there to run two eighteen. To be honest, I won't do that. I know I won't do that. And. It doesn't bother me if I run 222, 224. What I really want to do is be healthy in two weeks afterwards to start a rebuild and to get back to, to training that gets me ready to train for Berlin properly. And then I'll have a crack at those mm-hmm. fast mid two, two teens again. That's my goal. What's your prediction, Brady? Yeah, I liked a few weeks ago, Moose, when you said you were floating at like low 320 pace and you're like, this could be marathon pace on the day. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I think you'll go, I think you'll be smart. I reckon you'll go, like, 70, 30, and then 69 high, 70 low. I'm going to go 220, 30 to 221, 0, 0. You're going to go 70, 30 through half. Yep. I think it's going to feel very easy for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No. I think it will, I think, I think you're right. I think it will feel very easy for me early because... Mm that's where my strength of training has been and then the back end is where my weakness of training has been (laughs) and that's the problem well even i found that moose on the gold coast was that i felt really really good through even 30k but then when i did try to really force it in the last five six k and i'd been running decent miles i just hadn't done the really grindy marathon sessions for that gold coast i then found the back end you know a fair bit tougher, even though I was still able to do a small negative split. Yeah, yep, yep. How do you go in the cold, Moose? You like that BY, didn't you? No, I love the cold. Yep, high of seven, low of two. That's another thing that'll help you, I wins. guess. Like coming out of you know relatively warm weather compared to Osaka. Mm. And big big body's better in the cold. Yeah, don't shut down. Mm-hmm. She looks a bit windy, though. We're not sure what time of day. They, they're running like halfway through the day, don't they? Pretty late start. I think it is like ten or something. Yeah, Japan love doing that. Why do they do yeah. that? No, I, TV maybe right, TV isn't it? Yeah. Something? I don't know. Yep. Uh, travel when Friday? I'm going up Thursday. We're going to stay in Melbourne, watch the Mori Plant meet, and then go on Friday morning real early. Yep. Fly to Cairns, then on to um, straight to Osaka after that. Exciting times ahead. Where do you yeah. fly? You fly into Osaka, don't you? Yeah, into Osaka and uh, hotels in the city, close to the start line of the race, I think. Mizuno Rebellion Pro. Mizuno Rebellion Pro got this cool singlet to go with it. I got one in the mail today, red and black. 
Yeah. And I was waiting here when I got home yesterday. Yeah. Bloody, bloody nice kit, that. You wear black shorts with that on, it's going to look sick with the black and white Rebellion Bros. Mm, I, I, yeah, but I got a 12 and a half in, in a different colour. So, like, I needed to go up half size from what they originally sent. Oh, okay. Mate, I've gone up a half size and it was pretty good. It would be fine for doing most workouts. And then I went up a half size again to, for the marathon because I know that my, my toes will get crushed over time and then I don't want to be at two hours and having to be pulling my big toe back from the front. So, yeah, it's it won't be a Kakazomi. It'll be the other one. Yep. All right, listeners, there's a Sunday afternoon, I reckon, our time. We'll put a link up if we can find anything for tracking, stream. Lisa Waitman's going to be in action too, I think. So two Australian uh, threads to it, potentially. Croaks, take us through your week. Uh, all right, so Monday, 45 minutes, 421s, and then Tuesday, headed out to the racetrack. Um, session was eight by two minutes with one minute solid jog in between. So it was reasonably warm and quite windy. Um, and so just basically wanted 23 minutes of pretty sort of strong aerobic work. Like it wasn't off a pure float recovery. So the reps needed to be solid but slow enough that you could still you know keep moving in the recoveries but i didn't want them to turn into floats so i averaged like 318 kilometer pace for the two minute reps and 407s for the one minute jog um took two and a half minutes after that um just rest slash slow jogging um while the group sort of while we regrouped and then i did five times 30 seconds with one minute rest most of these were with slight downhill, massive tailwind, and um, I felt amazing actually in the 30 second reps. And I think that was a really good sign that I got the effort of this session right because if I'd pushed too hard in that first 23 minutes, um, I reckon even that those 30s would have felt like the back end of a race where I actually felt quite poppy. Um, yeah, average 240 pace for those 30 second reps. Then on Wednesday, got out in the morning, um, it was already pretty warm. This one, I didn't enjoy this run too much at all. Um, it was, well, one, a bit quick for the weather, um, but also this is one area where you realise you're not quite as strong when you you don't back up as well from a Tuesday night session to a, a Wednesday morning uh, long run. So, yeah, did 90 minutes, 4.15s, um, just over some rolling hills, 21.2K. And then Thursday before we drove up, um, got out for 10.5K at 4.24s. Um, yeah, drove up, uh, yeah, met Moose and Kieran that afternoon, uh, went and grabbed some supplies, bumped into Jess Hull, had a bit of a chat to Jess Hull and her mum, um, which was, yeah, fun. She was bubbly as always. And then, yeah, Friday session, um, I really enjoyed this. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect. It was definitely the first session that I've had where the weather has been, like, way cooler than you know, norm, than what I've normally had, either training Tuesday afternoon or even Friday mornings. So I ran pretty much to heart rate. Like I never hit 170, which was a good sign. Um, the reps, yeah, 321, 319, 318, 316, 314. Uh, I was working towards the end, but I don't feel like I ever uh, got into the red. Like, um, yeah, it wasn't like hands on knees when we finished. Uh, Moose had a nice little flex on probably rep four, started talking to me going oh some about some sort of family guy clip and then i just said to him yeah nice nice flex moose i couldn't uh, help it it was in my mind and my, it was hilarious funny clip so 
I was just like, it's going to be weird if I start laughing just randomly, so I'm going to tell you what's going on. But you can see how it came across as just a massive flex. Oh, it was like, definitely a flex. <laughs> um, I, had but, uh, you, I had to let you know how comfortable I was. That I, was uh, I really enjoyed the session, Moose. Um, yeah, 9.5K, three, like 334 average for the whole session with the, with the um, one-minute recoveries. And then, yeah, Sunday, um, as Moose said, we did like a 2K loop around sort of the park run area, and then we headed out for about 9k and then turned back and so we got back to the park run after about 20k i uh, had a bit of a drink and then we headed to, off to the other side of town uh, basically 20 minutes out 20 minutes back um pretty flat like i think we got just over 100 meters of climbing in like 29 and a half k so i did two hours 404s um good group certainly takes your mind off how long you've been out there when you've got you know various people to talk to um, we had a chat to, uh, was it Nico Young's younger brother, Brady? Yeah, he's a twin. He and he's, yeah, so Nico Young runs for um, Northern uh, NAU, Northern Arizona University, and finished second at the NCAA Cross. And he's got two younger brothers who are twins, and one of them was running the under-20s race at World Cross. So, yeah, it was um, yeah, good, to, good to see lots of different people out there running. And then, you saying yes, here, Croce, you can't remember which one it was? Because you haven't named him. It was uh, so think Lex it was, or Leo. Yeah, I think it was Leo. Okay. Yeah, yep. I think you got that right. Yeah, I think it, it was Leo. It was very I'll friendly. Check, I'll check. Yeah, he was. Yeah, for especially a guy who's still in high school. Um, yeah, had a lot of personality. He's around like and 30 then, and 40, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that's what he said to me. So he's yeah, but he's coming off injury. He ran at the trial, World Cross Trials, but I think he'd been injured, so he didn't make the team. No, it was Lex. Lex was it? All right, Leo was the one then that ran the um, Ramwell Cross. He came like um, pretty high too. He came 16th. Yeah, he, in the he beat. Um, he was just in front of Archie Noakes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then when we got home yesterday afternoon, went out for 45 minutes, 418s. It was uh, it was pretty warm, but it was my biggest week. Yeah, of the comeback. So 116k in singles. So um, yeah, I think fitness is progressing pretty well. Oh, he's fit. Seen it firsthand. Well, that long run. Got some fitness about him. He was off the front three K in moves. Didn't mention the reps, like the splits. What? In the long run, at the long run. Look, to be honest, like I ran, what did I do? I did 75 minutes maybe three weeks ago as my long run, and I averaged 425s. That was harder than what this was. Like I still felt like I was, you know, comfortable and full of running towards the end brady might disagree but i didn't certainly didn't feel like i was cooked at the end no you were fine yeah you said anyway. to me at like 28k that you think you're in shape to break 16 minutes of 5k now and i'm like mate you've just rolled two hours at four minute pace you're fine well around 17 minutes a few weeks ago yeah you'll be fine <laughs> get yeah get down a park run again i reckon when it uh, cools down it's a good week from you. Quickly go through mine. Monday, 70 minutes at 4.38. 30 minutes in the afternoon and some strides. Got on the grass, a good grass footy oval. Just put the uh, dragonflies on. Felt much better in the dragonflies on a nice oval than the other rubbish one that I've been trying them on. That was good. Um, then Tuesday, 3 by 8 minutes threshold. Around about that 3.12 pace. Off 2 minutes slow jog. 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.37s. Wednesday, 90 minutes before work at 4.23s. Then Wednesday night, Zaka drove from Melbourne to Moama. Um, so he stayed at my place. And then Thursday morning, we ran together. We did 60 minutes at 4.29s. 
Then I went to work for the day and then Zaka worked from my house and then we jumped in the car about 4pm and drove up to Bathurst, arrived about 11pm, went through some towns that I've never seen before, written anywhere, didn't know existed, some real, we were kind of like inland, if people know where Wagga is, we were like probably 60 or 70 k's inland from that and kind of come around the back way into Bathurst. Bit hairy, nearly hit a cow at one stage that was just walking on the road, nearly hit a sheep, nearly hit a kangaroo, then nearly hit some random guy just running at like 9.30 at night um, through one of the little towns there. But we got there safe next morning, Friday morning, woke up and took myself to the golden ticket. Actually, Kieran was doing the golden ticket as well, who was staying with us. So that was good because everyone got up other than us two and Viv and went to do the workout, which I would have quite enjoyed doing with you guys. But um, yeah, Kieran and I got our spikes on and went out to the golden ticket race instead, noticing the quality of athletes around when we were warming up. Like, I think I said somewhere, like this was like a national cross-country quality field. Safe to say that, boys? Maybe even better than what national cross-country usually is. In, in the men's race, definitely. Yes, sorry, in the men's race I'm talking about now. Yep. Very different in the women's race. Yep. Yeah, like very night much so. day difference. Yep. Yeah. yeah, like you're talking about the top... Eight guys are probably sub-14, easy, probably 28 and a half guys for 10K in the men's race. A lot of them probably have been in Australian singlets in the past. Um, and then I was surprised about there was that next like group as well where the, you kind of had just had good domestic, good state runners. Um, so it was kind of cool to see so many people rock up. I think there was about 75 men in our men's race. I was really tired. I was like... I guess off the work and off the drive, I was just... And because I was keen to race you, Moose, I probably would have backed off the train a bit more if we were going to make this like a genuine head-to-head leading into this. So when you decided for the smart reason not to um, do the cross-country, I kind of thought, well, I'm just going to just gonna go around here and try to enjoy the, the race as much as possible, which I did. Gun goes, everyone goes crazy. I reckon I was sitting in about 40th position um, and I just thought, just got to chill out here. This was only 6K, so we did three laps of the, the course. Um, and then I just picked people off throughout the, the next two laps. I quite enjoyed the course because I was probably just on that conservative side of, of race effort, which meant I didn't feel like I was absolutely cooked at any stage and kind of had to survive like you often do in a race. Um, just even looking at my splits, I ran the first lap in 6.28, the next one in 6.32, and the last one in 6.30. And probably went from like 40th to I finished 22nd. So um, yeah, whereas I was just keeping the same pace, but a lot of people were kind of coming back to me. And yeah, it was fun. It was good. I was, yeah, I enjoyed racing on that course. And it was good to see how competitive and kind of like the whole new concept of this golden ticket format was received by all of the kind of domestic runners. So it was cool to be a part of that and to experience the course firsthand. Um, and then I pulled out really well too, kind of the Sunday morning. Oh, sorry, I keep saying Sunday because I think we do long runs on Sundays. But it was a Saturday morning. I got out of bed expecting I might have maybe a bit of doms being in the spikes and from the up and down hills and the mud pit and stuff like that. But I was all good to, to strap myself in for two hours at Croker pace. And yeah, ran two hours at 4.05s. Um, and it was fun, as you said. Different spot, different people. Time flies when you're having fun. Kieran put in a bit of a surge with 4k to go just to sort a few people out. Started with 75 in the pack, and I think we finished with four or five croaks. That's so that, right. That was good. So, um, yeah, good week. I didn't run on Sunday either. By the time we got home, I wanted to see the kids and, um, yeah, spend time with them before they went to bed and stuff. So it was a 125k week. I think those, I still ticked everything, although I missed a day. Still did a long run, did 90, 
did a golden ticket race. That was hard effort and did a bit of threshold work. So, yeah, good one. Can't complain at all. Good race from you, I think. Did you think? Yeah. You were yeah. one of the better, like you paced it really well. Yeah, execution was good. Like I still don't think I'm that fit. Like I just, yeah, I felt it was. No, you ran 15.7 or something the week before. Yeah, 15.07, so, yeah. 15.09 yeah, yeah. it was actually. So for you to come 22nd in that field is actually really good. Yeah, but I told you it was worth 14.40 last week, didn't I? You didn't believe no, me. I, <laughs> oh, you're, in, you're in sub 15 shape. Yeah, I'd, sure. want to, I'd want to be. Mm. Yeah, I still need a few more weeks though. I've got, to, I've got to add some strides. That's the one thing I've got to like. That's my goal mm. for just the next three weeks. I need, I feel like I'm fairly strong, but I don't feel like I'm snappy. Like I feel like I could have ran another lap of that course at the similar pace, but I don't think I could have went any quicker up the first hill. Leg turnover, something I've got to work on. But anyway, let's talk, stop talking about ourselves and let's talk about some um, lovely patron supporters who keep the show alive. And then we're going to talk about the big boys in the World Cross Country Champs. Moose, kick things off. Who you got? Uh, well, I have big bristle Brian Lockyer. Mm-hmm. So Brian, after doing a bit of research in the evening before heading to the uh, cross-country champs, or was it even that morning perhaps, um, Crokes was there. He said, do you know Brian Lockyer? And I said, fucking oath, I know Brian Lockyer. Big Brian's from Ballarat. He is not in a lot of info on his um, on his profile or anything. Like, I'm not sure where you're pulling his stuff from there. Um, but he is an old-school YCW legend from um, Ballarat, so the Ballarat Youth Christian Workers Running Club. Odd, I don't know how that happened, but um, they ended up being the biggest group in, in Ballarat. He's big, he loves a regular um, mountain of fun. It's like go up Mount Barham Beat. It's big climb. Watto's won it a couple of times. Nico Van Rappos won it a couple. He's run, well, I don't know about this for Brian, but let's just throw him out there. He's going to hate this. If, and they will be wrong. May have run 87 at 2007 Melbourne half, 258 at 2003. He raced on the weekend in the Masters, 60-plus, I think it was, raced Mona. Uh, unfortunately, he's probably gone through Ballarat in Mona's age group, which is rough. Uh, you're never going to win any of those age group category races. Has dogs. Actually gave me a lot of information on dogs when I was researching them when I got the puppy. Has hounds and terriers told me a funny story about breeding them that I, he said not to talk about on the podcast. Um, if you ever came in the running company Ballarat store and you saw this big, this old white singlet on the wall with the running, the runner's shop printed across it, that was Brian's. I swapped it for one of our singlets and then I, I kept it on the wall, which was um, just a bit of a, uh, a nod to the, the previous running store in town. And Tony, his son, good man, good footballer plays for Sebastopol, captain coach, I believe, or close to that. Did you meet him, Brady, on, yeah, um, yep. on Saturday? Yeah, he's a character, isn't he? He was a good fella, yeah. <laughs> Complimented my hat. Um, Did he? Because we, yeah, we were sitting around, wasn't it, like the Saturday morning, Croaks was doing the agenda, and then, yeah, said, do you know this guy, Moose? And then we bump into him in person, like, two hours later. Gave yeah, me issue straight away. About your hat. He did, didn't he? So, so you're an ugly, you're ugly, you're uglier than I thought. That's right, yeah. Because I often get the opposite. Like you don't sound as good looking as you are. So like, yeah, that's funny. It worked out that way. Who are you thinking, folks? Oh, do you have a good um, joke there, Moose? Nah, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, I've got Tim Kennedy. I also think Tim's from Ballarat. Um, I'm not Correct. sure. If, 
Yep, not sure if these are his PBs, um, but I think he's run 20.48 at the Ballarat Park Run back in 2016. 94 minutes for Run Melbourne in 2015 and 3.26 at the Gold Coast Marathon in 2016. Appears to be a Geelong fan uh, and does triathlons as well. So thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. I'm going to thank Tammy Jones. Possibly it lives in Hobart. If this is the right Tammy Jones, she follows four people on Strava and I'm one of them, Tammy. That's good to know. No Brad, no Moose. Is Christian on there? No. no. Who were the other three? Brett Robinson, uh, Jack people, Rayner, No, no, me. no, no. People huh? I didn't recognise. You're really? the only one that I recognised, yep. That's good, isn't it? Um, potentially ran a park run PB of 34.57 last August, but then locked her keys in her car. Has one photo on Strava. And it's a schooner or of a or a pint of beer. Hello, yeah, I think Tammy. she rides. Think she rides, to the, rides to the pub a lot. Okay, that's good to know. Thanks to our Patreon supporters for supporting the Inside Running podcast. Said it before, say it again. Keep us alive. We're up to episode number two hundred and seventy-seven. If you're not a Patreon supporter, just listen to the content that's coming just this week. So you get this show on a Monday. If you're a Patreon supporter, you would have got a show on um, Saturday evening as well. We're, we recorded a quick episode just after the World Cross Country Champs, like initial thoughts. So that's sitting there. Um, you also get Road to London. They're recording tomorrow night, episode number one. Ali Pashley's on there, the biggest name in Australian distance running at the moment. Sinead Diver's on there, was the biggest name in Australian distance running in December when she broke the Australian record for the, half mar- oh, for the full marathon. Didn't quite get the half marathon one, but I think she will in the coming months. And Nick Earl, freshly engaged just yesterday. So that's a, that's going to be a great series, and it starts tomorrow. You'll be rewarded if you are supporters on Patreon at Inside Running Podcast, patreon.com forward slash Inside Running Podcast for more information. You boys would have to be excited about that. Oh, yeah. That'll be my uh, Wednesday long run or midweek long run. Um, That'll be my ease each week. Same here. Can't wait to put that on Wednesday morning. If there is one marathon you do this year, really make it count. We're ecstatic to announce that the Sydney Marathon is a candidate race for the prestigious Abbott World Marathon Majors. To help us reach our goal of becoming one of the world's best, we need passionate runners like you to join us on this amazing journey. Incredibly, we're already on our way to our target of 15,000 marathon finishes, with almost 7,000 registered from all over the world. 2023 is set to be the biggest marathon Sydney has ever seen. By securing your spot in the Sydney Marathon, you'll be contributing to our success and helping us to join the ranks of world-renowned marathons such as New York City, London, Boston, Chicago, Berlin, and Tokyo. Run over the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and past some of Sydney's most beautiful icons before finishing at the world-famous Sydney Opera House. Grab your mates and register today so we can make history in the best way we know how, together. Uh, Let's go to running news. The Golden Ticket Race, this happened on the Friday morning, the day before. Women's race was won by Sarah Klein, so a bit of context. First seven in this race got a ticket to the World Cross Country Champs the next day weren't going to have, well, they didn't have their results recorded, had to run in black ASICS kit, did have their name printed on their bib, but it had a bit of, like, gold backing colour, not like the white white ones that um the people who were representing their countries had. Sarah Klein, uh, world champs representative at last year's marathon in Oregon, she got the win. Uh, Alan McCartney was second, Paige Campbell third, Regina Jensen was fourth, Jessica Runan was fifth, Ella Higgins sixth, Layla 
Iacotus was seventh and got a ticket in the men's race. Andre Waring, Lockie Hurd, Liam Adams, Riley Cox, Ed Goddard, Tom DeCanto, Benny St. Lawrence. Um, and then Michael Roger was eighth. After this race, Andre Waring got called up to take Matthew Ramsden's spot for the Australian team. So Michael Roger rolled from eighth down to seventh and got himself a golden ticket. Uh, and and Andre gets yeah an Australian singlet. Mm. Um, as you know, just the way I read those names, like you kind of got Sarah and Paige, who are uh, recognisable names, I guess, in Australian distance running. Whereas I think every one of those men are recognisable names in the Australian middle long distance scene. So you can see the difference in the depth there, and even the overall numbers. Thoughts when you're watching it, boys? I did yell out to your croaks when I was about uh. K in saying, Am I far off the seventh golden ticket spot? And I, and I certainly yeah. was. But what was happening up front in these races? Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember back back that far. Um, well, I said to you guys afterwards, I'm, How did it pan out? Like, did they just tempo it just to guarantee the spot? But you guys, were like, no, no, they were, they, those boys were racing hard. Yeah, they were definitely running hard. I know Roman Nath went out like free beer for the first five, six hundred meters, and then we, yeah, he fell off. Um, but yeah, like, Andre and like Lockie Heard, like I was surprised how well he he looked. Um, I guess six K suits him, uh, but he looked really strong over the hills. Um, and then I reckon Benny Saint was the one that ran the smartest. So he sort of just sat back, but was obviously counting numbers and went, "All right, that's seventh there. That's where I need to be at the end of the race." And he sort of kicked it home late to um to seal that seventh spot. It's funny um, you say that, Croaks, because um, I believe that was not a smart race by him. That was just his as hard as he could go. Okay. It's how it looked. Yeah, I know, it did. I said the same thing to Jess. I said, oh, geez, Benny Saint was pretty smart. She goes, oh, I spoke to him after. He said he just literally couldn't go any faster. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure it was, like, by his own doing. Still pretty good. But still, like, a great turnout, as you said, Brady. Like, they're all – like, they could all wear an Aussie singlet at some point, yeah, or have. Yep. Uh, the timing around Matthew Ramson pulling out and Andre Waring going into the team, a lot of discussion, I guess, afterwards was why did he run the golden ticket race if there was talk that he was potentially going to have to be in the open race, I guess, the, the world championships Thoughts yeah. on this either way, like, and it sounded like the decision was made pretty close to the end of the golden ticket race. Well, I reckon this almost got more talk than the golden ticket race itself. Like that sort of, like, yeah, as I said, it came out like in an hour or two afterwards in like a press conference that um, Andre Waring had been moved up to the Aussie team and Michael Roger had been given the golden ticket. Um, so we'd sort of forgotten about the golden ticket race, and then all the talk was about, well, gee, that's rough on Andre, like making your Aussie debut knowing now that you've got like 6k in your legs of hard running whereas you know all the other golden ticket runners if they haven't crap day they just you know pull pull off and you know go and have a shower because it doesn't matter then their name's not going to be on the results whereas andre now he's you know he's going to count and he obviously wants to try and contribute to the team um yeah and then the discussion was like well should have Ramsden, you know, pulled the pin earlier. And then there's also the discussion about, well, it's a bit irresponsible of the reserves to race because, yeah, and this is point, Andre was a reserve and Stewie was a reserve. 
Stewie was obviously down to run the 2K relay, and Andre had run hard in, in the 6K. But, like, what if somebody like Jack Rayner got sick the night before? You know, Andre's a reserve, and then he, you know, has to step up even though he's already raced. And you made a really good point, Brady, which if they ever do this again, what I would have suggested is um, they quarantine two of the golden ticket spots for the reserves. So if the reserves aren't needed for Team Australia, they take one of the golden tickets. And so then there's only like five or six golden, um, yeah, five or six golden tickets left for those that raced on the Friday as a bit of a, as a reward for being a reserve. I reckon that would have solved a lot of issues. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they need to worry about that in the future. No. I'm not sure this will ever happen again, but that's these are things that pop up when you do it for the first time. And I don't think anyone would have expected what happened to have happened or foresaw it. Yeah. Uh, but, it, yeah, I, 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 I'm with, I kind of think that the reserves are there to be reserves and, and the golden... T- like, just say it was the golden ticket race or it was a 5K that was down the road or it was park run in the morning. Like, it doesn't really matter what the race was. They shouldn't be doing it. They've got it. They should be expected, like, however long from the start line to be ready to go. The, but, you can, but you can see why they did. You can see why guys like Andre ran it because, you know, the chance, chances of him getting called up are probably quite slim. And that's yeah. where I think having, the, you know, basically guaranteeing him a golden ticket if he's not needed as a reserve would, would solve that problem. I, I see that. I just think there should be rules about it not happening. Yeah. Like, I, I reckon there's rules around the 12th man playing for Australia not doesn't go out and play 10 hours of shield cricket the day before the test. Mm. Because he's said, expected to step up and be in prime condition for when he takes that singlet. Yeah, but as you said, it's probably not going to happen again. No, won't um, happen again. But I did feel sorry for Andre. Like that's not that's not the way you want to be making your debut. No, I know, and he still held him. He held his own out there. I thought he was still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was this Friday morning. Then we go to Saturday. Hot. Well, it wasn't <laughs> that hot Friday morning because it was just like it was like nine or ten o'clock. But we um we got out for the long run. We go out to the track. And the first thing I realised, like this is this is warm. This is like 34, full sun, hardly any cloud cover. Everyone's got hats, sunscreens everywhere, and it was a bit like, I don't know. I just got this sense of the relay was first, which was probably good. It got everyone up and about early. Um, it's safe to say the Australian team were favourites. Yeah, I just on paper, <laughs> I, like I have us breaking Australian records all the time. I had us locked in for a gold medal here, but I soon realised that cross country is different than track and field. Um, and yeah, Ollie, I don't know. I just kind of expected him to go off the front and, and do what Ollie does, win races, rarely loses races. Um, but we did go through in position four. You guys have to remind me. And what people saw on the screen. I thought we were third. Third. Yeah. Ethiopia might not have got us, but South Africa definitely did, which was a surprise. Um, and I watched the stream back today and the whole experience was completely different to what was there on the on the course like i don't think you got a real i think you said this moose you didn't get a real realization of the the crowd support and the noise no. and the the atmosphere on course um, no i said i said to brie at the time i'm like can you hear the cheering she goes oh yeah sort of and then i watched it i'm like you can't hear anything it looks like everyone's just standing there watching yeah like electric you chucked a microphone at the top of that hill you would have heard like a wicket on boxing day test no- noises yeah. 
it was in you couldn't hear the person next to you crazy yeah. and then it was it was so noisy the fact that um when jess hull took the lead on the second leg we were a fair way from that but everyone just erupted you, the whole mountain you could hear, you could hear like so much noise and we were so far away from i guess the, the main cheering and at this stage we're at the top of the hill that comes out of the mud pit so probably like 1.1 1.2k into the 2k loop where that was a good spot to view because like you kind of could see a bit as they went past early on the lap and then see them in the middle and then just wait again um so yeah all your first like come through in in third uh jess makes it up like very impressive and yeah as you said like big noise when she went through there stewie third and it was funny because jess kind of hit the front close to us and then stewie lost the lead very close to where we were so in a good spot there as well um and then were we third Oh. I'm just trying to think when Stewie passed to Abby. I reckon we might have been second. We were second, mm. and then I think um, Ethiopia went past us. That's right, Caster Semenya was there, changing pretty similar time. But then Abby dropped her, and then the gap opened up for, um, I reckon it was about eight seconds, and then it was 12 from us back to from Kenya by the end, and Ethiopia were five seconds ahead. So Australia got the bronze medal. Um, what do you think, boys? Be, I was a sense a bit disappointed, but I build things uh, up, so I get it. I get the whole like metal thing, but I think we, yeah, I want us to try to see the splits. If you like the splits, I've got the oh, uh, sure results. Is Do they it? really matter? Because they're all different legs, though. Yeah, the, the, the legs two... aren't. Yeah, so the first and oh, the last. I was last just going to compare them to the actual Kenyan one. So like, oh, okay. yeah, right. so Ollie was five forty-seven, and his guy went up against was five forty-one, so the gap was six seconds there. And then Jess ran 5.47. Huh? She couldn't... Oh, yeah, her lap was shorter. She didn't have to run up to the changeover point. So she ran 5.47, and the Kenyan ran 5.58. So that's where she made up that. Stewie ran 5.22. The Kenyan ran 5.09. So that did a bit of damage there. And then Chibet finished off, Brenda Chibet this is, in 6.26, and Abby was 6.30. So, yeah, that third leg, the Stewie one, was the one that probably did the most damage. Yeah, Stewie, Stewie didn't look – I thought he looked the, the worst two out of the four. Going up that hill, uh, he was passed convincingly. He almost just gave up his spot on the inside of the rail. I think up that hill – And he had to look of, back too, Moose. He had to look back to see like where the next person was, so he obviously wasn't feeling great. It's difficult getting the, the timing chip or whatever, the baton, when you're just in front, you have a short lead because the pressure is on and you feel like you've got to go and you don't really know how to gauge your effort. At least the person that's chasing you can gauge their effort and pace off the person in front. And so he's out there kind of running blind and it would have been a difficult position, but up the hill I thought, yeah, he the, he, he sort of gave up first place quite quite easily. And, and then I think, yeah, well, he was passed again, wasn't he? Um, by the Ethiopian, by Wale. Would, Wale was pro, could have been run of the day, actually, the Ethiopian from way back all the way through, kind of like Jess in the second leg. Hmm. Jess, the standout one there, though, boys, leg of the day. Yeah, she looked really just strong and dominant and just had this, like, determination in her eyes when she, you know, when she was chasing those other two down. Um, the, the, the thing I loved about the event was the atmosphere. Like, yep, the result was a shock, 
but it also made you love cross country because mm. it is so unpredictable because yes we see stewie and we see ollie like dominating on the track but obviously those guys uh, don't get as much out of a, a grass surface as they do on a track and obviously aren't as strong on the hills as, as some of the their African um, competitors. But the atmosphere, I just could not believe it because people were just running all over the place, like between the top of the hill and then heading back down to the, the sand pit or the Bondi Beach section, then coming back and this wall of noise as they ran up the hill. And I mentioned, on, um, I mentioned to you guys, I mentioned on our Instagram that like I started to tear up when like when they ran past I almost felt like this proud parent that and i don't know what it is like it's i guess a combination of when people get goosebumps because they're just touched by what's happening i had that um and i don't know if it's because like i know some of them or because it's um because everybody's cheering for that one person and you know that they're out there doing it tough and they're doing everything they can for you and the country um but yeah i was uh, lucky i had some sunnies on because there was definitely some tears welling in my eyes <laughs> i love that and uh, yeah you're right track stuff is yeah there's that guy talking about against stewie his pb is 336 stewie mm. would eat him on the track but this isn't the track it's cross country i was the same i went away from this being like okay where this is this is serious stuff like this no one's handing out medals easy mm. yeah this is and i thought deal. we're in for a, we're in for an awesome day if this atmosphere stays like this yeah and then things if went down pretty quick with the with the uh, under 20 races Explain to me why do men run 8K, women run 6K still at this level? Because even in like Athletes Victoria, they've equalised all the distances. And Good I thought question, that was a Brady. directive from why. World Athletics. Yeah. Are they pretty much saying well, they don't think under 20 women can run 8K? But so men perhaps can. it's a time thing though. So what? So the women's under 26K, what did the winner run versus the men's? What, the time they, you're out there? Yeah, I, well, I'm just thinking like maybe because... Well, the men were just over 24 minutes. They're so like 24 and a half. And the women were what? Like, well, I can tell you. I've got the, bring something? the results up. Um, but why would they apply that rule to just cross-country moose? Well, you maybe because they the Olympics, still... they do 9K the women 20... instead of 10, a, 10 a, for the men. A female, a female junior body is different from a male junior body. 2050, moose. 2050, yeah. yeah. Do, do, you, do you not think? A yeah, female junior it, it body is, is not yeah. is not different, and and perhaps like it's maybe not quite as as strong to handle that extra distance because I can tell you the back of that pack in the women's under twenty versus the back of the pack in the men's mm. under twenty was considerably different to watch, considerably yeah. different. I I almost felt Moose that other than that African pack and and we'll probably talk about this more throughout, but like in every single race seeing how easily the Africans got up the hill, that was probably the standout for me of the whole event, is just these these Africans just gobble up hills like they're not there. But in the women's race, and, you know, we haven't got there yet, but, like, so many people were collapsing on the course due to the heat. But also I felt like, other than the Africans, the other girls weren't strong enough to deal with that course. They were yeah. – there was no power running up that hill at all from, you know, the well, probably – what two thirds of the of the the race? Yeah, and 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 that's maybe. And I'm not a I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I don't know the difference. But there there seemed to be a real strength difference, like you said, getting up there. And it could be due to the fact that it was. Well, it wasn't much. It wasn't that much less hot than the men's yeah, race. Yeah, well, we just the, the men's Denmark, and they did the same in Denmark. So I was thinking maybe it was a heat thing, like starting early in the day. 
but um, no, no, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure. I mean, it de- it obviously changed from like 12k and 8k to to 10k. Um, what do that- what do our under 20 women do at nationals? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I don't. Not, no, I don't. No, uh, I could look it up during the during the episode. That would be interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was the the mood changed. It was where we were standing at the back. Um, and when I say at the back, as a crow flies, you're like, what, 400 metres, 500 metres from the finish line where the, the fan zone kind of was and the food tents and the finish line and things like that. So not a yeah massive um, area distance-wise, but as the course kind of twists and turns, kind of a K into it. Uh, and then things got a bit scary out there because, like, a couple of girls in the uh, – yeah, it was only – was it the second lap they collapsed? Going up the yeah, hill. It was the third lap. On so the second the, lap, there was definitely tears. People were crying well, yeah. running up that hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, um, even just looking at the results here, it says the temperature on the top of the um, official results bit, and it's like temperature is 35 degrees. Um, and it's, and there was an older gentleman who was an official standing at whatever the marshalling point was, and it, you could hear on the radio that they would say, hey, medical assistant needed at checkpoint number seven. Then you'd hear again, medical assistance needed at checkpoint number 11. And I remember maybe it was your mate, Moose, the um, the legend from Ballarat, Brian Lockyer, that kind of asked this official, like, what checkpoint are we? And, um, you know, he said we're checkpoint number four or something like that. And, and he'd already tried to have a crack at a photographer for being in the wrong spot. So he used oh, a bit of en- energy there. Absolutely. That was wet. his whole that was his job there, getting yeah. Well, he used a bit of energy on that, and he probably wasn't prepared for what was about to happen because, yeah, two females, one was an Australian girl, she fell over, and then a UK girl as well, and I, I didn't have a stopwatch on it because I didn't really know what to do. Mm. Uh, and there's heaps of people on the side there. Croaks, you ended up over the fence there. But I'd say at least seven, eight minutes for medical support to get there. This man didn't know what to do. He struggled to get there quick enough. Um, it was just a bit frightening to yeah we just didn't know what to do that's it well, the, didn't feel it, did, it felt like a dangerous situation and the problem for him was that he's not medically hmm. trained and then you've got people like you know people are standing like three deep and everybody's yelling out different advice you know someone's saying lay her on her back and get her legs up and other people saying sit her up and then someone saying here's an umbrella like you know put some shade over and like we opened up the um the gates so that when the um buggies finally came they could drive through and i ended up over on the course and grabbed like an umbrella off somebody and took that over so they could actually um you know shade her a little bit but that part of the day and that part of the course was so poorly managed like even from a spectator's point of view um after the men's under 20 race like it was still pretty warm I was so, like, I thought I was going to have to leave that area and go down to the bottom of the hill and grab some water. So even for spectators, there was no water, no shade, no toilets. But then that's the toughest part of the course, and that's why all the spectators are there. So wouldn't you think that because it's the toughest part of the course, it's likely that if anyone's going to collapse on a 35-degree day, it's going to be there, so you need to have some paramedics there or a, a little tent set up where there's, you know, um, eskies full of ice for that sort of thing. Because what these girls really needed was to get their core temperature back down. And the only way to do that is through, like, water and ice. And there was none of it up there. So it, it, that's where they dropped the ball. The day was great, but this was the this was the low point for me. And they addressed it quickly. Like, after, well, sorry, when I mean quickly, but in the next race, they were much quicker when some of the boys 
went down at the same spot. Yeah. I just felt like when one of them was, um, I just looked up the results, Claudia Mika, the Australians. Mm-hmm. So three of the six Australian girls did not finish the race. There were nine DNFs. Um, and yeah, it was so just a, a yeah. weird, I think weird vibe got... change the whole, that, that part, of the, part of the day. And what, why did they go down? Because of the heat, right? But if they walked around the course, they wouldn't go down like that. And the Africans that were pulling away looked so strong on that last lap. So they weren't falling down either. They fell over on the finish line, but they did get across the line. And they weren't falling like halfway through the, the last lap or even earlier than that, which I think some did. Um, so it, it was an effort gauge that the girls got wrong. Of, and this is, this is harsh, right? But, it, but this is it. The pacing was, wasn't right. Like they didn't gauge the effort required uh, to handle that heat and that, that course. And that's, that's where, why they fell over. Yeah. But one of the scariest things watching that, and it made me sick to my stomach. Oh, there was kids crying around as spectators. It reminded me a lot of um, when Callum Hawkins went yeah. down mm. and, and the crowd was there watching and, and no one knew what to do. And I, I'm well, People saying, just ended up jumping the fence, didn't they? Yeah, but like, they it was a bit did, of a contrast. Was... To, but then they, when they got there, they didn't know what to do. But well, you remember, much, no one did anything they... for Callum Hawkins. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a hard bit then. But these are these are kids. Like that's how I spun exactly the same to Carly. I'm just like, think of Callum Hawkins times two, but they're junior girls. They're like 17, 18. Yeah. And one, one of the girls was from the UK, and I'm like, her parents are probably sitting up at four a.m. in the morning watching the tracker, and their buddy, their daughter doesn't come across it. Yeah, and, they and, can, the, and it's thirty, like, it's thirty-five degrees on this results thing. But like, I said this last, I said this last week during our like yeah, preview did. that it, it's going to, yeah, because world cross country, even in the opens, you look at most years and everyone sprints off the line. It does have that primary school sports carnival vibe about it, and it's even worse than when you throw in the hills and the heat. Um, but we were just so far away from any help. That was the hardest thing. But even from a spectator's point of view, I thought to myself during that race and even the men's one, it's like I am going to be completely cooked by the end of this day if it doesn't cool down because I've got no water. I took a drink bottle with me and within 20 minutes it was like <laughs> the water in there was boiling. Um, so they needed, they needed to have stuff up there, both for the athletes and both for the spectators. So get this for the athletes, right? The water bottles they had weren't cool. They were warm water. Yeah. That doesn't, that... Yeah, that doesn't cool anything. <laughs> That's unbelievable to me. Like that. that well, Moose, the, the water, the, the water that was in my drink bottle that I actually took up there, by the end of it, it was like drinking bath water. Like that's how warm it was in being in the drink bottle. So yeah, yeah and that's not cooling anyone down. Bathurst has been named for a very long time as the host. We like there's a history of weather here. We know what it is. It's it's summer. You're in the middle of the country. You're on the top of a hill exposed to the sun. We knew a week out at least that it was going to be really hot temperatures. Nothing changed in the plans as far as I could see. There wasn't yeah. a single measure taken to go, oh, you know what? We've seen some bad shit when this happens in the past. Probably just get some more medical staff on that hill, maybe put some water up there. Uh, perhaps a shade, like some shade somewhere. Um, it, it wasn't, those measures weren't taken. And if you watch the stream, which I did today or yesterday, it's not mentioned once. Yeah, they don't, yeah you they don't, don't see it, it, do you? You see the you Japanese boy, he collapses just before the finish line, but you don't see what was happening out the back. 
It could have been five degrees. It could have been 20. It could have been 40. You wouldn't really know because the cameras on the Africans, you're not going to put cameras on, on girls, and that, so they shouldn't, but having a fit as they're getting driven away in a, in a four-by-four vehicle, um, they're not going to put that on, and, and so they, they shouldn't, but unless you're there, you don't really know how bad it was, and it was extreme conditions. Yeah. Should we go through the results of the under-20s? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, um, Senegat Getachew from Ethiopia, she got the win. Medina Issa, also from Ethiopia, was second. And Pamela Kozgai uh, from Kenya was third. Uh, from the Aussies, uh, it was a real tough day. Um, as Brady said, three of the six um, didn't make it. Uh, and because we only had three finish, that's not enough for a team. Aspen Anderson was our best place finish in 35th. Uh, from a team's point of view, Ethiopia won, Kenya second, USA third. Um, in the men's, Ishmael Kipkarui from Kenya was first. Reynold Kipkarui Chariot was second, also from Kenya. And Boki Dariba was third from Ethiopia. Um, the, the men's race, I felt like it may have cooled just a touch, but the majority of the men were a lot stronger over that course. Like, yeah, they, they, they weren't as many collapsing. Um, the Aussies, uh, Logan Janetsky, he went out pretty hard um, and he uh, ended up pulling out maybe on lap three at the top of the hill. Um, Archie Noakes, he had a really good run. He was uh, sort of just off the main pack, um, but sort of, you know, hunting people down. He finished 17th uh, and we were sixth in the teams. Yeah, there was there was a couple go down and Logan Neely was one of them. He pulled off the course and then he, he, he kind of got his composure a little bit. And then there was a New Zealand fellow. Yeah, that, there's like, two New yeah. Zealand DNFs here. I'm not sure which boy it was out of Christian or Jamie, but hopefully they're doing well. And the yeah. Japanese guy, he uh, I think he's the high school, school record. I think he's a 13-22 5K guy. Did he get across the line? Because in that footage, he caught up and then he was like crawling and then he mm, kind of just like went down again. Yeah. So but there is a Japanese DNF. Were off the front. They were yeah. five metres in front of the Africans pushing up the first hill and that that is crazy to me and that's what happens when you do that when you like it's it we know that surely we know that about heat now who's telling these japanese get in front of the fucking africans and push up the hill when it's 35 degrees steep as hell this hill we this is just bad advice they're not making those decisions themselves they've got a coach telling them they're young. Logan They're... was the same though, Moose. He was pretty aggressive with his pacing. And like Bruce McAvaney on the mic was like, it was very, look at this, he's taking it up to, he's going to be in the lead pack with the, Af like, which is his job to hype the event. Yeah. But there's a bit of that like, this is the world stage, let's take a few more risks. Mm. And, risks and, and gambles, yeah. Well, we're going to talk a bit more about gambles when we come to the, the women's open race. But this one, look, I, I think, if the gamble means that you're done 60% of the way through the race, like that's too much of a gamble. And, and, and that's never, that one's never going to pay off. So that was obviously way too aggressive. Um, but yep. I think my, the thing I took, cause I, I moved from the top of the hill after the under 20 races, but my thing from both of these was just every lap, the African packs would, and they would run in packs. They would come through and you wouldn't know that it was getting towards the end of the race because they still looked as good on the last lap going up that hill as they did on the first. I, I couldn't believe it, especially for, like, under-20 athletes. They just looked so smooth up there, both the men and the women. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, even some so as that some finished, looked like they were twenty eight though, Crokes. <laughs> That's true. Some big boys in there. The what after those women finished, I like grabbed my um phone and I sent a message quickly to Ali, thinking that she might still have it, and just what is it, where's the message? Um, first race lessons. So this was an hour before. Oh, no, not an hour before. A bit earlier. First race lessons. Aussie girls have destroyed themselves. It's too hot to go too hard. Um, mm-hmm. So that like they weren't. They had no idea what was happening out there. They were seeing the stream basically, and they saw a few people come across the line and go down, but they didn't know what was happening on a course at all. Mm-hmm. That, and that, I was scared. Like I went from being excited about the, the senior races to being genuinely worried about about what would happen when you have to add two more laps to that. That being said, Moose, it did seem to cool down a little bit, largely due to probably more the cloud cover yep, than anything. It did. Yep. Um, and like to the point that, as I said before, like with the spectators, like I was cooking up there after the under 20 races to the point that like, I'm going to have to go and get some water or move. But I actually felt pretty good after that. Um, largely because Trav, Trav actually brought up a bottle of water. So shout out to Trav, lifesaver. But I, I didn't notice the heat as, as bad after the under 20 races. Yeah, the, the cloud saved them for sure. Mm-hmm. So into the women's race. And we did talk about this briefly on the, um, the little show we put out Saturday night, Moose. Because I said to you, are you concerned? Like, what are you thinking as a coach? I wanted to try to get inside your head. And you probably didn't come, you didn't tell me you'd written that message, but you kind of said if anyone can handle it, it's Ali. Like, Sapporo was hot, Olympics. She knows the pre-calling drill. Um, mm. So you still must have had a bit of confidence in there. Because when they started, it was still 35 degrees on this temperature thing here. Yeah, well, I was saying that to her husband. because oh, Joe's was chilled. Was he right. was chilled, yeah, I know, but maybe I was just saying that to, to reassure me. Uh, I was just saying it out loud, but it, yeah, I was, I was, I was concerned before the start. Just same, same as when you're concerned before that Tokyo marathon, that Sapporo marathon. Like it, it, it does. It, it, you just, you know, you don't want to see a friend, someone that you care for hit the ground like that yeah. and, and be one of those girls like i couldn't imagine the families watching those girls so all of a sudden you do get a bit of concern for your for your own athletes yeah it's confronting for a person you've never met in your life you cannot imagine yeah. what it's like for a family member or a friend that you spend a lot of time with and care for women's race goes off a bit slower big african pack um not considering the the quality in that field i think a lot of the the big name females were doing it quite easy through the first two or three laps of their 10k race and the big surprise was early on that leanne pompiani was not with the australian women the first time we saw them all five were together and then leanne was separate kind of a bit in no man's land maybe the first time we saw her by the second time we saw her on lap two she was in the lead pack she was there's footage of her like literally chilling with g'day at the back of the lead pack because g'day was kind of um at the very back there when you saw that we were surprised we were thinking this is leanne's day we didn't really have splits so it was hard to tell if the pace was conservative or leanne was um taking a a massive or a kind of small risk what did you think early on boys i initially was concerned that she was so far in front of the other aussie girls just because like on like if you look how close they all were at the trial like there's not a there's not a great deal between them like and you wouldn't be surprised if any one of the six 
beat any of the others. So the fact that she was so far up, I was a bit concerned early on, especially what we'd just seen from the under 20 races. But then, you know, as you said, she got on the back of the pack and then she sort of came through like lap two and she looked good. Like I think there was a difference between some of the others that we saw have a crack like Logan, but then pretty early on you realise that he's not looking so good. Like, And even, even Jack to a point in the men's race, it's like he was pretty aggressive, but you knew that he was probably outside of his you know comfort zone pretty early on. Whereas I didn't get that sense from Leanne. Like I was down the bottom of the hill and every time she came through, she looked like really, really strong. Yeah, she um, looked great, didn't she? Like she belonged there. Yeah, and even like probably 8K in, like she's got a big gap on the other Aussie girls. Um, and to be honest, like even on the last lap, it was almost similar to Giddy, where when she went through the mud and started to surge up the hill, I was thinking to myself, oh, because it was her and um, Beatrice Chibet who was my pick for the day. I'm like, oh, man, I've, I haven't picked this one. And so I thought, you know, G'day's going to get to the finish fine. She's going to win this. And I almost sort of th- thought the same with Leanne. Like I didn't. I didn't see her at the top of the hill, but Viv said, yeah, by the time she got to the top of the hill, she wasn't looking so good. But at the bottom, you know, probably didn't look as good as she had the other laps. But I, I certainly wasn't concerned that she'd, that she'd collapse. Um, so, yeah, that was probably my, my thoughts throughout that race. Yeah, Moose, yours? Happy with seeing um, Ali uh, yeah, progress as the race went? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I thought... Because her and Rose were kind of buddies, were The girls were all together. Like, it was... The, that first lap with outside Leanne, who was further forward, it was it was everyone together basically, and I thought this is good, like these girls can work together. Because, and when we say work together, you might think that sounds silly. They're all racing for themselves, but it's a lot easier to stay on a pack if you have two or three buddies, familiar faces that are there with you. It just gives you that extra little bit of motivation to be there, and that you should be there. Uh, so it was nice to see all those Aussie singlets together. Uh, and oh, honestly, I was reading Ali's face as hurting going up those hills. Yeah, she, was, we were she at, was red, wasn't she? Early yeah. <laughs> and the, she'd done a lot of pre-cooling, a little bit more than the other girls. And she said the first lap she was actually – she wasn't cold, but she definitely wasn't hot, even though she did look hot. Uh, so her face kind of worried me a little. Like the first three laps I was at the top of the hill, then I went down to the billabong area and I saw her a little bit more um, in a quieter area where she could, like, he- hear us. We-, we all went down. It was a good spot down there. Yeah, I agree. And that, I think that was the benefit. I thought – because I, I mentioned it to you guys. I said, I'm going down there because, you know, there's always a wall of noise up on the hill, and they're not going to be able to hear individual voices that well. So, as so I said, like, Moose, you probably get more, you know, input down there. Mm, yeah, and, I mean – my input was shouting "Go, Ali!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not much you can do in the fourth and fifth lap. <laughs> but but it's also nice, but having like people around different parts of the course because you're going to add more there having a familiar voice where it's a quieter part versus she's going to get some adrenaline from all the people cheering at the top of the hill anyway. Yeah, so you may as well be somewhere it. different. Hundred percent. She didn't even know we were on the hill, of course. Yeah. But she 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 did think that we were down at the bottom the whole time. Uh, so yeah, it was nice to see her up close, and and you could tell that when, as she came around that last lap, um, I watched them go through the the mud pit, and those first five steps out of the mud pit, you either had girls that were kind of defeated, and that they were very slow and unstable, and you had girls that were like chasing and hunting, 
and it was the hunter versus the hunted coming out of that pit and those first five steps on that last lap i'm like ali looks good she she went up there with with strength like to it it wasn't bounding by that stage but it was went up there with purpose and then there were a few of the other girls that just like looked like oh i don't want to go up this hill i'm sort of falling sideways and my my ankles have no strength and they're spending a lot of time in contact with the ground and after that i thought Ali's going to take bodies here in this last lap and you could see that well she did and yeah so it was it was awesome to watch it really was i thought it was um i thought it was her best race she's ever had and she agreed with me today that that was the case um and yeah it's just pretty much in awe i think there are a few of us were in awe about what just happened like what the how did that happen like you're not supposed to do that like you weren't ever supposed to do this and then you go from awe, like just looking up, going, "What? What? How can you be that good today?" To thinking, the realization that she was that good today, to think, "Oh, we're looking at someone special here. Mm. Like this is not just our friend, the runner, anymore. This is this isn't our tra- Sunday morning uh, race up the hill, buddy. We're looking at someone who could could well be like one of the best Australian females of all time." She knows how to flick the switch. Like, that's the thing. Anybody that knows Ellie off the track, she's just so bubbly and seems so gentle. But then when she's, like, competing, she seems to be able to just go to this other level where she just has this mongrel, like, and she can do it. It's it's so impressive to, to watch. What yeah. unfolded in that last kilometre, though, was – so you, you sprinted from the mud pit pretty much to get to the finish line. I had thongs on, wasn't back on my legs after racing Croker that Sunday morning, Saturday morning, done it again. And I just like kind of walked slowly back, expecting that G'day's going to win. Uh, Leanne Pompiani's the first Australian. Ali and Rose have come kind of second and third Australian. And then could not believe it by the time I got to the finish line that there was just drama everywhere. G'day Mm. hits the ground with what? 15 metres, 20 metres to go. Chebet closed on her, watched it again today. G'day looked over her shoulder about 24 times in the last K after looking so powerful up that hill to gap her. Chebet comes flying down, goes past G'day, she loses her legs. And then watching the stream, they didn't even talk about it, but Leanne comes, you can kind of see it in the distance. We'll post a video, a listener sent us a video today. Mm. Comes around the corner and just goes straight out of almost view and is off the course but still on the grass and then you don't go you don't see her fall down in the um in the footage but the first thing i heard when i when i got to that area i heard bruce mcavaney going like come on leanne 30 meters to go 20 meters to go 10 meters to go she's gonna make it and i just assumed that like she'd finish um not that there had been all this drama and then she lost i think we kind of worked out maybe six or eight positions um, in that last home straight, to, she still finished in 22nd. 22nd, yeah. yeah. Alley 19th. Um, and then Rose just, and she kind of just sneaks into the finishing view just before um, Rose crosses the line as well in 23rd. But so much drama at the end. I don't know if you boys saw any of it, but um, yeah. And then Caitlin Adams 28th, uh, Izzy Bat Doyle 29th. Interesting that one second separated them at the trials. Um, it was 14 seconds this time, but one position. Uh, Georgia Hansen, who came in late as a replacement for um, uh, Campbell, Holly Campbell, Holly Campbell um, 
after, do we think, confirmed stress fracture from Holly. Just had her on the show last week. It's yeah, terrible news yeah. to hear that she missed out in the Australian singlet. Um, yeah, Georgia came in in 44th. So a lot of drama in that women's race in a short period of time, boys. Mm. Which is we, like, uh, Carly sent me a message. She's like, I'm turning this off. I can't cope with this anymore. And I'm just like, what do you mean? What happened then? And she's like, yeah, relaying it to me. Um, did you watch the G'day, like the, the fall? Well, I had no idea. So, because uh-huh. I didn't, I didn't run up to the finish line. So I was still down at the Billabong, and um, there's obviously people watching the live stream on their phones, and I heard a few people go, "Oh," and then I heard someone say, "Oh, yeah, no, Australia are four for 150." Yeah, you know, and I thought, "Oh, something to do with the cricket," <laughs> and then. I was watching. I was watching on Trav's phone, and um, he was obviously like thirty seconds behind. And then we watched it, and we're like, "Oh shit!" Like G'day's fallen. And then I saw the person run out, and I knew it was an Ethiopian official because they had a flag in their hand. I'm like, and then I saw them pick him up, and I'm like, "You know how to do that?" So straight away, I'm like, "Well, she's going to be disqualified." And then the whole Leanne thing, I had no idea because we were just watching the stream, and then. Um, yeah, you expected to see the, you know, Aussies come through and then it was like Ellie first and then, um, yeah, and then obviously Leanne. So I, I didn't see any of that. And then I actually, I didn't see Leanne's fall until about half an hour before we came on tonight when I saw that video that the listener sent through and it was pretty hard to watch because, yeah, as you said, Brady, she was, so the the finishing shoot was um, uh, surrounded by like sort of hay bales and so she was between the hay bales and the spectator fence, like to the, I guess, right of the right of the finish as you're running to it. And she's running, she's stumbling, and then she just goes face first. And then people sort of come out around her, but they obviously don't sort of pick her up. She gets up, and then she pretty much has to do a real sharp left-hand turn to sort of stumble back into view. And that's when you probably would have seen across the line come from around sort of the finishing shoot there. Um but, like, we chatted about this off air, and obviously, like, Ellie was top Aussie on the day and not taking anything away from Ellie, but I think Leanne, like, hats off to her for a few reasons. And, look, I know that we're quite harsh on this podcast about people not gauging effort correctly, but for me, like, Leanne looked pretty good the whole race. I, I think the fact that the top pack weren't going ridiculously crazy meant that, you know, she was able to handle that pace. And, yeah, look, I mean, I said it before, like, if you're in a 10K race and you pop massively at, like, 7K, like, you've got it completely wrong. But for her, she was literally two minutes away. Um, like, if we're looking at the, the, the time checks, so at 31.51, that was checkpoint 18, which was up near the vineyard. She was in 15th. Gide was first. So at that point, you know, when Gide was going to get disqualified, she's in 14th position there, about, I think, 30 seconds in front of Ellie at that point. And then at the next checkpoint, which is the, they call it Mountain Straight. So it'd be somewhere either running down the hill or coming back up through the chicanes. She was in 17th place, which I guess, you know, with Gide being disqualified would have been 16th and maybe 20 seconds in front of Ellie at that point. And this is 30, 33.20. And we're talking like girls running, you know, 35 minutes. So I know she got it wrong, but what I love about it was that she wasn't scared 
to put a nose up with the likes of Gidey, almost like what Kai Robinson did at World Champs, and it didn't come off. She got it slightly wrong, but I think in the next couple of years she'll do some special things and get it right. So yeah, like hats off to Leanne, I reckon. Didn't lose any fans doing that. No. Didn't lose any fans. They're just Michael Ra. No, Jared Clifford just retweeted a video as well that does a pretty good job of uh, showing what happened. If you want to check him on Twitter, forty-one um, degrees, wasn't it, Moose? Her um, body tank when she. That's right. Yeah. It, this isn't a case of um, going out and blowing up and like getting too lactic, running over your threshold, your heart rate getting too high, and not being able to hold on to the pace. This is a case of your body core temperature rising so high that it shuts you down from being able to continue to exercise. It, it's not functioning. So it, 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 she can't control this. I mean, you can control your effort to, to not get to that point, but this isn't something like toughness helps you through this yeah. at, at all. This Once this hits, you, you're cooked. Like your body. Lucky she got up then, by the sounds of things. Yeah, we it, saw it, it with Gide. That's the thing. Like the thing that amazed me in this women's race was how quickly things changed because we saw Gide running up that hill, and like there's literally what 800 meters left, um, and she still looks so good. And then you'd think when they turn the corner to run down the hill to the finish line, it's like, well, it's a downhill finish. Like nothing's going to happen on that. And both her and Leanne, both, you know fall apart in the last 30 metres. It's it's crazy, like, that they can get so close but yet be so far away. Um, and this, yeah. is the, this, this is the high-risk racing. Yep. This high-risk, high-reward, and, and, and high-consequence. And, and these, like, in the heat, if you're going to take chances like this, there are repercussions. Mm. And you're right, she, she was very close to getting, getting it right. Yep. Very close. Because she would have finished about 16th, we think, don't we? 15th. Uh, well, so she was in 16th place at 33.20 into the race. Yeah, but you can't do I, this. I, like, know, I know you yeah. can't. I know you can't, but I'm saying it's, no. it's not I just want to compare off. it to the risk versus reward. She risked it and she was she lost a significant yeah. amount of positions. That's what I'm saying. Like it's The it risk croaks. was that she got Again. seven spots taken off her that close to the finish line. If, if she runs... A bit conservatively, let's just say she's much. Let's just say she's fitter than Ali because on paper she's fitter than Ali, right? And she she holds back a little, and she yep. doesn't go with that front pack, and she runs through. I'd say she comes fifteenth. Yeah, like you're probably right. Like, and in hindsight, you look at it and go, yeah, well, she should have done that. But I think what I like about it is it shows that there's something there that will come through in the next few years that she is not afraid to compete with those top girls. No, right. you're, you're right. She didn't lose any fans. And it's it's great to see someone have a crack like that. But we should, I don't think, I just, sometimes it, it frustrates me to celebrate things like that. It, like, I'm not, I don't want to celebrate someone putting themselves in danger like that. I know, that, I know, what you're, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I, I, yeah, I just thought it was she didn't look out of place there. She didn't misjudge it by much, um, and she'll be better for it. Like I think she'll, as I said, in a couple of years, she'll do something pretty special. Um, I was also thinking Moose before, like our top three were Ellie, Leanne, and Rose. And I reckon if you looked at their training logs over the last, I don't know, few months, 
or on, you know, just when they're training normally, I would say those three girls probably have the most elevation per week in their training. Um, Cause I know yeah, Leanne, sure. does, Leanne does, Leanne um, does, they do hill reps. Uh, they also do quite a, a hilly midweek long run. Um, and so I reckon there's something in that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Strength. Well, I've got like, I'm not sure whether we'll do it now. Perhaps I'll record it as a separate episode, but um, we might put it on Patreon. There's, it's been a lot of chat about how Ali got to this point um, mm. after having Tiggy and then came like struggling in the trials coming thir- sixth and then being the first Australian. So um, there's there's a bit of stuff I've just written down that we, we had a chat about on our jog this morning and agreed That's that a good these idea, were Moose. the things. Yeah. Maybe I'll interview you for Patreon. You should do that. Well, serious. Yeah. You you could yeah. interview, but I've got it written down as well. So that maybe yeah. you can have a read well, of it and then you could put the questions to it. Yeah. All right, let's do that. I reckon that'd be a fun episode. Just start you two doing some kind of work, producing some audio. Mate, I've bloody it's done I did freaking two interviews two weeks in a row. Sure. He did do a few I was there taking photos with everybody on the weekend. <laughs> Do you know, uh, should we go? Uh, every, no, we'll move on. And should we go through the women's actual results? But just back to that alley point. This isn't normal. Like, if you're a new mum out there and you're eight months post giving birth, like, so I'm interested to hear what this conversation is going to be about. This this stuff you're going to talk about, Moose. Well, that's it's like, a phenomenal performance. Yeah, a bit of a peek in, right? A bit of a peek yeah. in. The first point, the, the entire first point, no comparisons. Oh, we didn't good. like. Yeah. You, your body dictates what you can do. Um, yeah, that's the teaser. We, nice need, teaser, to keep, nice. we need to keep rolling. Nice. We'll yeah, put that then, everywhere. Okay. We can put that everywhere. We don't have to put that behind a Patreon paywall. Yeah, yeah well, I remember um, I remember Ali telling me Sonia O'Sullivan, two months after giving birth, was, I think, fifth at World Cross. Mm. Right? And, and so I'm like, fuck that. That's like, that's superhuman. <laughs> no one does that. That is like the most phenomenal freakish thing I've ever heard. That's not what we're using as our benchmark. Uh, there is no benchmark. Like, get that out of your head right now. It is inspiring, though. I think for a lot of people, like even Viv, you know, looks at you know had a couple of kids now and and looks at what Ellie's doing, and she's like, you know, Viv wants to sort of get back into running. It's like Jesus, like if Ellie can do that sort of after eight months, it's like yeah, like you know, I can get out and get out and run. Like it's yeah, it's, it's very time. inspiring. Yeah, Smack that park run PB that Viv's aiming for. Yeah, you've got to help her out with a bit of coaching, mate. Yeah, maybe. She, she came maybe, back. She did, she did maybe Viv could run. ask the She was good on the mic Ooh. on that bonus show. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Viv and I just need, spend I just more need, time together. I just need Viv to um, stop going to Parkrun and using my barcode. Yeah. <laughs> Use her own. What about those T-shirts you had on, Moose? Remember where you were oh, trying to get rid of that fifth one before we went and I took it for Carly and now I've got, like, I reckon I could sell it for a 1000 bucks now. <laughs> well, you haven't. You haven't paid for it for he a bugs, thousand bucks he yet. He gave it to me for free. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll give it to Carla. She's a massive fan of Ali. And now I'm seeing yeah, all this. No way Kieran gave you that for you free. you got to buy it. Oh, no, no, he just flicked it to me. He goes, no, it's he a said, spare one. He said, I didn't who, have much wants, faith in her pre-race. Who wants this to the highest bidder? And I said, well, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt because <laughs> I don't want to burn. I said, I'm not wearing a shirt. And then he gave it to me to wear. And I said, that's oh, black. It's uh, going to be too hot. Why didn't you wear it? That was terrible from you not wearing it. That was, that was too bad. regretting it now. I'm regretting it now. You were missed out. Like, should have seen the swagger on me after the race ended. And you didn't I had take that it shirt off. on. You wore it to the pub. <laughs> would, have been, the pub. would have been so sweaty. And then no, you were drink, drinking Jack Daniels. You looked like the biggest bogan. This real sweaty, messy guy drinking Jack Daniels. I was looking for a fight. Nearly got one. <laughs> yeah, Senior, got one. 
for senior women's results, Beatrice Chibet, 33-48, which uh, I believe I picked her last week. Uh, Siggy Gebra Salama was second in 33-56. And Agnes Jebet uh, Negetic was third in 34. The team's result, Kenya first, Ethiopia second, Uganda third, Australia fourth. So that's a great result. And I think you've gone through the Aussie results there, Brady, in their positions. Yeah, shattered for my, my girl. G'day. Shared the roads together at Valencia, but just put mm. she'll put everyone on notice now. The next three races she'll do, she'll do some big things. Hasn't won for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we talked about her bypassing a marathon to do this as well. Now she's come home with nothing. No cash. Watch DQ. Her. You don't get a piece of this, do you? How much? No, I, think like 40, I think it's like 40, I think it's like 30 or 40 grand for the winning, the individual. That'd be US yeah. as well. Yeah, it's US, yeah. So... And then, Brady, the day got crazy, more so the weather. It cooled yes. down, so it went from 35 to, like, 25. But then there's text messages being sent saying, thunderstorm coming, get out of here. Um, the men's race got started, like, 10, 15 minutes early because they'd obviously calculated that if they start at the normal time, um, they are going to be caught in the storm. Um, and then, yeah, I guess take us through the race, Brady, because I was sort of – I don't know, this race seemed to go by in a bit of a blur for me. I was trying to get a bit of video and probably a bit more concerned about the storm at that point as well. Oh, there was forks of lightning in the distance, like the like mini tornadoes appearing, like the whole emotions throughout the day. And this wasn't captured at all on the stream either. Like you did not understand. You could see the little flags blowing a bit, but it was absolutely wild there. Temperature drop, dropped, as you said. I wish I did have a T-shirt on then because it was getting quite cool. Men's race goes off. I was the same croaks, just stayed in the one spot and just watched them fly past. And isn't it amazing to see the guys that we've been talking about and the girls that we've been talking about on this show, show for the last five years in person. Um, Jacob Kipolimo was chilling. He did no work out of the back of that, back of that lead pack with Joshua Chepty guy. They Interesting, though, they did send a few Ugandans off the front. I'm not sure if that was just my, maybe just make sure the pace is okay to like take a bit of a kick out. They've done that before on the track. Actually. They do it a lot, yeah. So yeah. Um, they sent those guys out there, and Jack was the first Aussie for a lot of probably the first two laps before Kai come through, and he just had this super like blank, nothing phased him, expression on his face. Face. Um, then when Kip Lemo went in that last lap, I watched it today, and he just made it look easy. You talk, you compare him and Gade when they both went. Like Gade was good for the first couple of hundred, but then fell to pieces. Whereas he just sprinted up that last hill through the vineyard, come down the home straight, waving to people, like smiling. There was no way he was falling over. This guy looked like he'd just finished a tempo run. Like he was, yeah, a, a phenomenal to see that kind of stuff in person. Um, he came across the line twenty nine seventeen. Berihu Aragawi was second, which is a bit of a surprise, I think. I think a lot of people would have had Cheptegu and Komoro ahead of Aragawi. He ran twenty nine and Berega even twenty nine twenty six. Um, got third at twenty nine thirty seven. Komoro missed the medals first time he hasn't medaled at this um, Open Cross Country Championships. So won it twice before. And then it was like, get out of there. And it was disappointing on the stream that they kind of cut to five minutes of ads. You didn't see the Aussie boys come in. Kai did come through and be um, 23rd position. Jack Rayner, 29th. Brett and Andy were really close together in 31st and 33rd. I think Andy did get past Brett on the last lap and then Brett come back past him pretty close to home. Um, Rory Hunter was in 40th and Andre Waring, as we spoke about before, backed up after the golden ticket and was 51st. 
I felt with this run, and we can kind of do the same thing with the with the women. I think Kai probably um, exceeded the expectations. Probably Jack and Brett were kind of maybe a bit below what we might have expected from them. Andy kind of maybe a bit higher than we thought, and Rory and Andre kind of at the expected level. Thoughts there, boys? If you mark, uh, them, mark them out of 10 and 7 is kind of where you thought, what score are you giving them? Uh, yeah, I agree. Look, I think um, Kai probably just measured his effort a little bit better. Um, I think Jack was just a little bit too hot through that first, what, lap and a half, two laps, which sort of got him, whereas, um, yeah, Kai, I guess, maybe worked his way through the field a little bit. And then it just seemed – the Aussie boys just seemed to have, like, the similar gaps between them, like um, – you know, at one point, I think, uh, was it Andy and Rory were together? Um, or was it Andy and Brett? Um, but, yeah, they sort of were running in packs a little bit. Um, yeah, seemed yeah, more spread, that... didn't it? Like, more little packs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And in terms of the team, so we finished fourth um, there as well. So Kenya first, Ethiopia second, and Uganda third. Question for you about Kai Robinson. Is he the best Australian distance runner? Not what do you mean? Like, is he number one ranked, if you've got no. to rank him? No. no are you, oh, no. Are you talking oh, about you mean, you're Stewie and Stewie oh, no, and so not Distance, not middle. Go 5K up. Mm, 5K, no, 10K. Yeah. No, 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 Cross no. Cross country. No. I think he... He's I young think too. He, he's got a lot of upside. If he's not now, he can very much be. I think potentially in like 12 months, it might be like, yes. Um, but I wouldn't have him there just yet. You know, Stewie runs a 5K. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd yeah. get a man down to 1,500. Well, he Stewie doesn't K. run a 10k. Stewie runs five. Yeah, I know. It's five's not, five's and not so middle. Does, so does Ollie. Oh, sorry. I meant. Sorry. Don't worry. I forgot boy, about those 1500 meter boys. You're a bit up and about, aren't you? But boy, boy, he's got so much. You, remember, you guys like they shouldn't have put him in the team. They should have put Jackson Sharp in. And I'm like, he's on a different level. He's Mate, giving him an opportunity. To, I picked him last week to be first Aussie. Yeah, but you weren't happy he was on the team. I knew he was. He earned his spot. He earned his spot. Yeah. It was pretty good. Um couple of quick fire questions for you. Statements. This is my summary of the event. Cross country is very, very difficult. It's hard. You can't go. You can, but it's like seeing these big boys who are dominant on the track also do cross country. I loved because I think the cross country back to the track, back to the road is good. Doesn't always work the other way when you're a track runner trying to come over. Um, the TV experience was super different to there in person. Oh, yeah. I think it was so good to see all the diehard Australian running fans there. It made an effort to travel to a difficult position. Um, it was, yeah, I think the, the Africans obviously showed up and the and the crowd, and I think that made the atmosphere very electric on Do you know what? On I would, I'd go to a World Cross in another country before I went to a Com Games to vi- or a World Champs track meet to watch. I'd go to a cross country after seeing this. I was thinking about this today. If you gave me a time machine, and there are people coming out like at the moment giving warnings saying they're like they're time travels and stuff, but that's a different issue. Um, you give me a time machine, I can go back to, I was thinking four moments in my life. You take your wedding day, birth of two children, this could be the next best thing. Take what do you me, want to change on your wedding day, mate? No, I wouldn't want to change it. Just relive it. Get to do it again. Oh, just not bail out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leave the ceremony um no nah, my wife's brilliant um yeah you know what i mean i'm like i had so much fun take me back to friday morning i would love to relive that weekend again yeah it was good fun but, I, I enjoyed the event more than i thought because i reckon i, I we were you were driving wedding day no no i reckon <laughs> we were driving on the thursday moose from somewhere and i said oh i don't like i struggle to get excited about watching live athletics now and you said this is going to be different 
and um yeah like it lived up to, well it, it exceeded my expectations i i i loved it and it also made me fall back in love with cross country because oh, like yeah. cross cross country is a thing that like i did when i was like mid-20s and i remember like my old coaches saying how important cross country is from a developmental point of view and then you know i pretty much haven't run cross country since like 2010 other than doing like one one new south wales cross country champ a couple of years ago but it made me appreciate how good cross country running is one from an entertainment point of view but also it makes you bloody strong and makes you a better runner i think do you wish you did the golden ticket or you mean like get fit and maybe Mm. pick some cross country races yeah maybe maybe do or train train over cross country train as a cross country runner because it yeah i think it helps you also on the flat stuff i reckon we got caught out not having our trials there not so mm. much on team selection, but getting uh, an, uh, pretty much an unfair advantage to go hard on that course and figure it out before these championships rolled around. Yeah, I, I personally especially don't the, think especially there were a the lot relay of, team. I think the relay team would have benefited from well, it. But the problem is the relay team wouldn't have been at the trials. Jess well, was there. Stewie was yeah, there. Yeah. Well, Ollie wasn't. Who was um, the other one? Abby was but there. I reckon, an, I reckon a lot of our form. Aussie team, a lot of our Aussie team, were they weren't prepared like properly prepared for that sort of course yeah mm. and that's the yeah, point you're I, making about leanne ali and rose yeah Eden's. another um another point on the weekend is it's i thought they were very smart getting the school kids the club relays the golden ticket race and, and the world masters all there and the mass participation yeah that that created excitement outside just the race because it's a long way to travel to just watch those short races. So to have a race yourself on the same course, brilliant concept. Going up there and running as a relay with your mates gets four people up there automatically. Mass participation, like I'm not sure how many ended up doing it. But like it, it just got people into the town. I've never seen so many runners in the same place before. Wasn't and, it great to see people in person? You've like you've seen at races yeah. four or five years. You should have seen Crooks there. He was well, talking to everyone. He the, the, bailed up half the town. Yeah. There's um well that's what I loved about it was people that I used to race against or used to see regularly back in the early two thousands were there for it. So like um I know I've mentioned him a few times on the show, like Pete Knoll, the steeplechaser that went to world champs. He um he drove down with another guy that I knew from University of Queensland and I haven't seen him for what, ten plus years. So chatted to them on um on Saturday. So, yeah, it was a bit of a reunion, I suppose, for a lot of runners out there as well. Mm, yeah, loved it. Uh, let's whip through some results. There was a gold label indoor meet. World world record went down Thursday morning, I think, our time. Moose, want to read us through these? Oh, wait, do we have to? Mm, we do. <laughs> yeah, like, bit of, I was yeah, thinking, like, do we do two parts of this episode like last week? But I don't know if i got time later in the week to record oh, a second part. I'll whip through them, but... Fuck, there's a world record. Blokes run 7.23 and doesn't get a mention. <laughs> Just whipping through oh, it. Boy. Yeah. Uh, yes, Lamicha Germa ran 7.23, world indoor record, third fastest 3K ever behind Kaiman and Algarouge. Uh, Mo Katir was second in 7.24 under the old indoor record, and it was a Euro record. And Jacob Kropp was way back in 7.31. So in the 15, Jakob won in 3.32. Gudaf Seagay was the ladies' winner, 3.57. Both of those guys did it easy. 
Keely Hodgkinson ran the 800 women, also did it easy, 157.71. Kat Bissett was in the race, sixth place, 202. Rack half marathon happened. Uh, Helena Beery, she won that in 65.05. Interesting, Bridget Cosguy, the world record holder for the marathon, was fourth in 66.34, so towed her up. Both got London coming up. Don't know what they're doing. Do we know that off the top of your heads? Beery did New York. I'm not sure if she's... Mm, anyway, we'll talk about that when the races come up. Bernard Kibet, Kowich of Kenya, got the win in the men's in 58-45. What a shame they weren't at World Cross, especially mm. uh, Helena Beery as the reigning champion. Money talks, though. It would have been nice yeah. to see her there. She could have won, she, she won 40000 US. They're not paying her that much to come, are they? Fuck yeah, they are. Are they? Absolutely. Yeah. That would yeah. be, that's a big paying one. That's that. why she's there. That rack one. They she get paid to show up, plus the prize money would be more in that race. Yeah. She could have travelled down to Australia with a training partner, Ollie Hall. Mm, that's right. Both in that on squad, coached by Dathan mm. Ritzenheim. Uh, turn on the serious voice chords now, Croaks. Pete Bold News, the B sample analysis has been Yes. Done. So I'll just read this out. Sport Integrity Australia has today informed Athletics Australia of the outcome of Peter Bowles' B sample analysis that was conducted by a WADA-approved laboratory. The result of the B-sample was reported by the laboratory as atypical, which is neither negative nor positive, and requires further investigation. Under the World Anti-Doping Code, Athletics Australia is now required to lift the provisional suspension whilst the investigation continues. Peter is now permitted to train at a national, state, or club level, compete and coach, as well as receive funding, use official or member facilities, and hold a position with a sporting organisation. So that's where that's up to at the moment. It doesn't sound like it's over. Um, it's all still a little bit confusing for the uh, for the general punter and simple people like myself. Do you agree? It's, it's confusing. That's what this equals. Like his statement gave the impression that it was all good, he's off, he'll be fine. Whereas the next couple of statements that came out the same day from sports integrity and from later AA. in the day, weren't they? Later in the day, and so the media had already kind of reported on this fantastic non-positive B sample, but it says it's what does it say? It is. This Ed, is what Ed he said. Earth. I was Ed. I was just informed that my B sample did not confirm my A sample. My yeah. provisional suspension has been lifted by Sports Integrity Australia. The relief I am feeling is hard to describe. I mean, I read that and I'm like, oh, good, he's off. Yeah. Fucking negative. Whereas realistically, he's he's not really off at all. So it's neither positive nor negative, and requires further investigation. It but does no seem... mention of the further investigation in no, his statement. No, no. Yeah, it, it seems like the deeper that you dig into this, the the more confusing it gets, and the, the technicalities around the drug testing process, like the actual analysis of the sample is a super, super grey area. Mm. And, and then, Yeah, and then, yeah. like, people were then getting defensive around when they read Pete's statement. It's like, well, how did this A sample get leaked? And Athletics Australia addressed that in their statement, saying, we anticipated that his absence from training and published start lists for upcoming events would lead to questions and media reporting, as it did, Bromley said, CEO. But that, so I don't think it was leaked. I think they announced it. And that's well. That's what confuses so me as yeah. well. Is it is it is it normal for for the A sample result if it's positive to be announced? And I think Seb Coe may have touched on this a little yeah, bit in the press in conference. the press conference on the Friday that we went to. In that, sometimes no, 
especially like they may not release the A result if it's positive if there's no like major races coming up. But if there's major races coming up, then they obviously don't want somebody who's tested positive to race. So the integrity unit or whatever, WADA, whoever, they're like, okay, we need to um, basically provisionally suspend this person so they're not competing at a, you know, nationals or world championships or whatever. So I'm confused as to whether it's normal practice for A A samples to be released. Um, yeah, I've been it, in the sport for a long time, yeah. but I'm more confused by the drug stuff. Because it hasn't come from, like, the Athletes Integrity Unit. They haven't announced it yet. So maybe mm. the federations get the call. Because the way I'm yeah. reading that AA statement is that they made the call. Well, that's the thing. And the first statement, it, it almost made out like they were contact. both Pete and AA were contacted as if it was – normal you know normal protocol not that it had been leaked mm. in that in that initial one that came out when he first tested positive and then his coach justin rinaldi then tweeted 18th of feb when will the start list be available for Murray plant meet which is this thursday night the ceo mentioned a month ago that people would be looking at them and asking questions yet they are not even out yet referring to people would have been looking at this and noticing that pete ball's name wasn't there it's a good point yeah, yeah. So it's confusing. I don't think we know any more if... I reckon it's more just... I reckon all we can do is when something is announced about this, you know, shamozzle, we just let the listeners know because I don't think any of us are actually, <laughs> like, qualified to know what's going on. Even, um, even the people in the lab cannot confirm what the fuck the test is, positive or negative. So if they can't <laughs> do it, and we're sitting back going, oh, rah, rah, rah. But what, what did get reported was that this was not the first adverse sample that was, or the adverse um, result from a test that Pete Bowl had had. And that's why he was targeted with... 20 with, tests or something. Yeah, which, which, which was like the question mark on that. Like, why, why did he get tested so often in that small period? All right, I've got a question for you, just a quick one. Will we hear more of this or will this just now be sort of swept under the rug and he'll be free to compete forever i feel if i feel this goes away i I think it's too convoluted now i think there's way too much question on it i think the process is coming being called well into light and like the the poor the clarity around it i think i think i don't think you can go ahead and ban someone when it's so confusing and it's so murky and i'd rather see a lot more uh innocent people go free i mean a lot more guilty people go free than one innocent person get get uh oh what do you say um locked up but yeah it's yeah i don't know it's a really tough one because you can say that about the shelby hulahan situation although it doesn't seem like it was that unclear, the whole testing process there. It seemed like that was a little bit more clear. Yeah. And I don't think we can compare the two anymore at all. I don't know like, what to believe. Yeah. Very, very should, different. Yeah. Should we go into listener questions slash training talk? We can. With, with, a, with a bit of a world cross feel to it. So uh, this week's training talk is sponsored by the Sydney Marathon. Join them this September in their bid to become I'm an Abbott World Marathon Major. Learn more at sydneymarathon.com. It features an all-new marathon course, 
is Australia's fastest marathon with a record of 2.07.03 set last year, new extended cutoff time of seven hours, increased on-course entertainment, and the opportunity for runners to go into the draw to win Abbott World Marathon major tickets. So the training tour question, which is coming from Andrew Gattenby, who we ran with on Sunday um, and ran the golden ticket race, is did any of you learn anything, either racing or watching the elites race over the weekend, that you think you'll incorporate into your own running or coaching? Good, Good question. question. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go first because I spoke about this a little bit on the um, the recap that we did like straight after World Cross and we've already touched on it tonight. The thing that blew me away from the weekend was how well those Africans run up the hills. And so I think there's way more room for us to become stronger runners by doing a lot more, not necessarily just hill reps, but like hilly tempos, fartleks over hills where you might have a float on an uphill section. Um, so, yeah, and I think it just makes you a stronger runner overall because in a way it's like you're adding this extra stress that, or in, or in other ways, in other words, you're doing hard things so that when you take that stress away of the hill and you're on the flat, you are so much more efficient and so much more powerful. So that was my um, that was my main takeaway from the weekend. Yeah, cross country makes you strong. I'm the same. I, I saw it like not even comparing myself to these guys, but I ran a lot of cross last year and then I ran a lot of PBs. Like it makes you tough. At, I love I love it. Like yeah, I just I just think if you're if you're not um, involved in cross country and you have opportunities to be don't worry about looking at your watch run hard over cross country courses and even I've just felt more activated today I was covering the ground really well because I think I just gave muscles that I haven't been given workouts a bit of a workout um, on Friday in that cross country race just tests it out makes you strong mentally it's easy to go back to the roads so I'll be you know with my coaching if people have opportunities to get in these races get in them do them and everything else becomes easier yeah agree with both what what you both said then um i think this reinforces for me respecting the heat again again like we we know but it's just a reinforcement of that uh i think for me psychologically this is probably the 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 takeaways don't ceiling yourself like a month ago i mean I'm, i'm i'm gonna talk about ali of course i am like this is like it was a special thing, but a month ago she's sixth, sixth female, and now she's the fastest on this course. Like, don't put a ceiling on yourself. Uh, it, you can you can get fitter without doing super sessions, as long as you just trust the training you're doing. And then when you get to the day, yeah, don't don't overthink it. Well, Moose, remember when she was coming on and replacing Brady when Brady was doing his like Road to Valencia series and she, you know, she wasn't going great. Like she had a couple of hiccups and she'd go through a training and she's like, oh, this stuff's not impressive. And just to show like how far she's come in those few months, it's, uh, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, and that's why it's worth talking about because I think there's some brilliant takeaways from it. And it's not just my thoughts on it. it. Like we had a great chat this morning about it. So it it, it just if you feel it all just it, it, how do I just explain it? It's like you don't have to be a fucking PhD sports scientist to understand it. Hmm. Like and 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 that was one of the other takeaways. I 
see all these coaches out there, like, not necessarily on the weekend, but fretting over the most bullshit small details and trying to apply, like, these scientific studies to it all. Jeez, just, like, you don't have to... You don't... Don't try to prove to people that you know what you're doing all the time. Like, just relax. Which fits in pretty well with the stuff I was just talking about, like, the Africans. Like, they're out there doing hilly... They're doing tempos and fartleks over hilly courses... They don't give a shit what they're averaging. Like they're basically just running hard over some hills for an hour, you know, with having exactly. a minute, a minute float or a minute, you know, a minute recovering a little bit and then going hard again. Most of them 100%. don't have a heart rate strap, uh, GPS, whatever. It's just stay with the pack for as long as you can. Probably, I, I, I don't agree with that attitude either of just, you know, yeah. trying to keep up with people. But you, you get what I'm, you get what I'm saying. They don't well, have how, all that how many you reckon are doing double threshold days? <laughs> In the in the in in that top African pack, either either men's and women's race, how many double threshold days? Not many, if any. Not to say that's not a bad thing. I'm just not saying. It. Yeah, but if Jacob not... does double threshold, and he might have smoked them all up if he came. No, he wouldn't have. Uh, he, he wouldn't does have. Does on the track have, over five heat, no, I reckon the heat would have got him plus the hills. Yeah. He would not have smoked them up. Come on. <laughs> I'm just trying to give another argument. The other thing with Ellie, the other thing with Ellie Moose is like she obviously is super talented as well. Like she's the type of person that if she stays injury free, like because you got to remember, what she run like thirty one twenty or something. Like you know, finished what was she at World Champs in the ten? Thirty one eighteen. Thirteenth. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like that's bloody impressive. So oh, yeah, there's a talent there. There yeah. has to be when you when you're at this level. There's, there's talent. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's 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 everything that you need it to be. There's discipline, but for like we didn't even mention. It'll be good to hear for, for, like the details of it. But she was up in the middle of the night the night before. Yeah, that's right. With her baby crying, like yeah. staying off site from an absolute athletic Australia fuck up where they put her out like they didn't let her baby in to stay with her because it wasn't accredited. We're talking about an eight month old fucking baby, right? And, I, and she and she knew they'd fucked up. She called them in the week, said, oh, yeah, just checking that it's all good to come in to the village with my baby. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember you told me. Oh, hold on a sec. Oh, yeah, no, she can't come in, the baby, because uh, because she's not accredited. And all of a sudden it's like, you're supposed to be looking after these women. You talk about how you look after women and like it – Oh, they just talk out their ass and then they go and do this. So she last minute had to stay off site away from, um, well, the, the teammates, all the meetings, all the coaches, the facilities there, all the food. And she had, had to, to stay. Had to bring you coffee Friday morning. Yeah, it wasn't even hot by the time I got it. <laughs> um, but this, like, this, this is my moose on the loose. Is so she, she made a point. I remember getting the email from their coach. And I remember saying to Ali, hey, make sure you sort this out. And she emailed them straight away. She said, hey, I've got a baby. I need to get. I need to be able to stay with the baby the night before. They fucking forgot about it. They didn't do shit. And then it got to, like, I think it was the Wednesday before, and that she had she had to go and source her own accommodation. Is that not the most fucked thing you've heard? Like, that's our fucking national sporting body that pretends to look after people. It looks like she stayed a pretty sketchy, like... Motoring as well. You wouldn't expect oh. the person who just come 19th in the world to be rolling there after the pub that night. It pisses me off. And she was 
it, it created so much stress for her, you wouldn't know. Mm. Like she, she seemed very cruisy, but I know, and Joe said, like she was, she was flustered, and it's rare for her to get like that. Jeez, was I that, Nicole, um, listens to this between now and tomorrow, so we can ask her Saturday some of these morning? questions. That was, um, what was, what? Yeah, the morning was of the race Saturday, was, yeah. yeah, didn't she have a rough night? Yeah, the, ra- yeah, the night before. So yeah. I met her for coffee. She's like, I said, I'll come over. And she goes, no, I've got to get out of here. Mm. Um, because the like, I have to get out. Joyce wasn't in the good books that morning. <laughs> Hopefully, she tells the story. Yeah, we'll uh, uh, yeah. hear it all on Patreon Wednesday morning. Uh, uh, it's been a good show, fellas. That's two hours and six mm. minutes. Hopefully, you've jo- enjoyed our recap. If you're still with us at this stage of the podcast, what's coming up? It's a big week. Big week, nearly every week at the moment. Murray Plant Meet is on Thursday night. Still no fields. But Ollie's going to be there, Stewie's going to be there, Jess Hull's going to be there, Abby Caldwell, Centro. We're going to see a bounce back from him, fellas. Can he, can he threaten? No, Sam no. Tanner, the New Zealander, who's good over a mile. Ryan Gregson returning to racing over the mile. Um, I'd love to read all the names out, but I don't have them in front of me because they haven't been released yet. But if you're in Melbourne, get down there. Fred Curley, the fastest man of the year last year, wasn't he, when he won the World Champs? will be in action. Moose be down there, sign autographs, getting photos, whatever you want from him, he'll do it. Um, Crokes, what do you got coming up in your life? I'll be watching a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit of Maury Plant meet on Thursday night, a bit of teaching, um, and, yeah, really motivated to start training sort of properly, maybe even start a few double runs in the next week or two. Mm, yeah, I double today. Double threshold tomorrow, I think, from you. Sign up no. for a cross country club, do all those kind of things. What about hills tomorrow. Hills, <laughs> Moose, you're off to Osaka after you go to the meet Thursday night. How? Yeah, we talked about what time you're going to run. Big names in action. As I said, Elisa will be there. Ben Felton, YouTuber. Matt Fox, the influencer, and Big Moose, yeah, the Australian rep. Smack them all up for me, can you, Moose? Lisa might break this train record. You put a slab on it. Mm, Croak's already owed you three, doesn't he? From this yeah. few he lost over the Croak's weekend. Croak's lost a few bets on the weekend. Didn't well, he? he did. I'll take I'll take a slab for picking the men's winner, the women's winner, the first men's Aussie. Yeah, we're, we'll call he, it even. Call was, it even. You guys drank all the beers I bought on the weekend anyway. Should be paid also predict, those ones. Also predicted that the juniors would be collapsing on the course. So <laughs> yeah, but you never got a few predictions. Right. Not a very good way to predict. You never got Let's, enough to put a slab in on any of this stuff, though, Croaks. No. Yeah. Well, I reckon anyone taking the, Lisa Australian record. You, that no. that bet about the um sub thirty minutes for the men, if it was thirty five degrees oh, versus twenty four, what do you reckon? He loves a bit of what if. No, no. Well, I've been been hanging out with Brady for five years. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon though, thirty five degrees versus twenty four is worth forty seconds? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it would have been interesting. Yep. Yeah. Certainly would have been. Good, good chat, boys. I enjoyed tonight. All right. We're done. Good luck, Moose. Travel safe. Good luck, Moose. Thank you. Talk to you next. Well, I don't know when we'll record next week because you'll be in Japan. You're staying over and, there for a while. And how's this, Moose? Brady oh, no. can't record next Monday night because he's got the sports award night to go to. Oh, boy. Up lo- my local sports star of the year. Star of the war- of the year. Couldn't they give that to someone else already? Could be my year this year. Stall was, was a big win. Did I do anything surely else last the, year? Surely the Aussie Bats cricketer gets it over you. What did he do last year, though? It's last year, not this year. Uh. <laughs> I think he pipped me a couple of years ago. He didn't pip me. There's like one person gets nominated every month, so just like 12 months. What about Chukamimus, the bloke who's playing... Stars. What about the bloke who's playing cricket for Australia? Yeah, that's what Croaks just said. Oh, 
his last. Yeah, this, this is 2022. Surely there's an AFL player that's done something. Yeah, there would have been. Did Ollie, Archie, uh, didn't Archie, Ollie, Archie Ollie had a better year than you last year? No, I reckon I got Archie last year. Mate, year who's, before. The, who's the footy player? Holly Wines, Wines, Clayton Oliver. Yeah, yeah, mate, there you go. There's yeah. two right there. They've done a lot more than you have. Usually if you get drafted, you win it, which I don't agree with because, like, getting drafted doesn't actually mean you're, like, you haven't played yet, you haven't competed. Wasn't that Clayton Oliver Brownlow winner? Nah. Holly Wines won the Brownlow a couple of years ago. Who did win the Brownlow last year? Yeah, I don't even remember. This isn't Shit. a footy Oh, was the um, Pat- Patrick Cripps? Oh, yeah, but he shouldn't have because he got reported and then he got off, remember? Got to have the Carlton yeah. fans writing in about that. Let's end the show, fellas. Two hours, ten minutes. Yeah. Could be our biggest right. one. Of course. Let's go. go. Spent bloody 96 hours with you boys over the weekend and we're still talking. See ya. Listeners, yeah. sign up to Patreon. Let's get on it. It's going to be a good series. Wednesday morning. Ali, Sinead, Nick Earl. It's going to be brilliant. I'm backing it already. Get there. You'll hear them. Then you'll hear Moose and Croaks later in the week talking about at Ali. It's preparation. We're done. Bye. The all-new Sydney Marathon is Australia's marathon. So join us at the start line this year for an event you'll never forget. Register now at sydneymarathon.com.